A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the MC Universe, where the Lorehounds, your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David. I'm Jean. And I'm Alicia. And we're your guides to Echo's ass-kicking ancestry. <laughs> your plays on words are so great, Alicia. <laughs> Today, we're breaking down the new Marvel show, Echo, which dropped all five episodes on Disney Plus this week. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about Echo and everything else Marvel. Email your feedback to mcu at thelorehounds.com or Head over to our website at thelawhounds.com and use the contact form or record us a voicemail. For ad-free versions of this and all of our podcasts, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. I'll share more about the Patreon as well as notes about our upcoming programming schedule at the end of the podcast. Also, we'd be forever grateful if you could help us get more ears tuned into the Lawhounds MC universe. All you need to do is drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful, even if it's just a few quick words. We read all the reviews, and they mean a lot to us. And before we get started, just a quick spoiler warning. We'll, of course, be spoiling all of the Marvel Spotlight series Echo, but spoilers from the rest of the MCU and the Marvel comics are also on the table. Hey ho, Marvel fans, Alicia, Jean, good to see you guys. I am uh, podcasting from the basement of my in-laws again this weekend. Um, We decided to pack up the cat and all our stuff. We had an unexpected school closure on Friday, and then we have, of course, the holiday on Monday here in the United States. So if I sound a little bit different, that's that's why, doing the old uh, setup on uh, some... Uh, weird plastic boxes and some <laughs> game board pieces and tables all balanced and, and crazy. Anyway, how are how are you guys? Jean, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, battling a little a little cold, but yeah, mm. everything is okay. I think everybody's battling a little bit of something. Over yeah, the season. Season. weeks. Yeah, yeah and so, Alicia, but, yeah, Alicia's on the mend too, right? Thank goodness. Yep. Yep, on the mend, uh, watching movies again, whether or not that's good for my ears, uh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and you went to go see a big boom movie, uh, you saw the Godzilla. Yeah, I went to see Godzilla, which I heartily recommend. And I, I was, like I talked about before, I was like, I just can't keep up with all the different IPs and Godzilla oh is just going to be one that's out for me. But 
I, after hearing all the good stuff about this, I had to give it a shot. And yes, this is for me easily the best Godzilla movie I've seen. Now I know, I understand I also need to see Shin Godzilla and then compare those two, but right. of what I've seen by far the best. Yeah, I mean, it's a great uh, entry back into the world from Toho, the Toho Corporation that owns the mm-hmm. the main Godzilla rights and, and has had it. So, yeah, maybe we'll see some fun stuff. I, I Yeah, I don't want to get into it all, into the monster yeah. of it all, but I think that this movie is a solid offering. And if they keep producing some stuff, it'll be a fun, fun thing to do- jump into from time to time. Yes. So. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to see a sequel to this, but I'm not going to see Godzilla versus Kong, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I'm not into that as much. Anyway, well, we're not here to talk about Monster Go Stomp. <laughs> we're here to uh, talk about Echo Go Ass Kick. I don't know. I was trying yeah. to find the verb, there, but it didn't work. Um, yeah, so we've got a lot to to talk about. We're going to do this as a single podcast because we dropped all five. But I have to say, well, I don't want to get too far into it yet because we want to uh, touch on some Marvel news really quick. But it was a pretty easy watch given um, the, the five episodes. So, mm-hmm. uh, But we're going to bundle it all into into one episode just to make it easy. Binge shows are never fun to try to cover episodically. Uh, it's a lot of work for, for not a lot of podcast return. That said, uh, anything new in the on our Marvel radars that we should be aware of? I see you've got a note here. Well, I mean, I think the biggest news people are buzzing about this week ties right into what we're talking about, which is that the Defenders Verse series, the Marvel Netflix series, have been added to the official Marvel timeline on Disney Plus. So. Oh. Short of a direct statement from Feige, this is the most official announcement we've gotten that these series are pretty much canon. And that, that's, of course, leads right into Fisk in this uh, series. That's, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of just still processing that news. Jean, what do you, what's your feelings on it? Because uh, I'm trying to resolve I mean, my own feelings. You've always seen it, Ken. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, I'm glad that they said it. Uh, it They've always existed in the same world to me because they pulled some stuff from the original, from 2012 Avengers and Secret Secret Wars, from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into those those Marvel Netflix shows. So I'm, I'm just happy that we could potentially get to see Luke Cage, Jessica Jones again. Mm -hmm. I really want to see them interact with other Marvel characters in the way that they do in the comic books. Um, and I think it was, it's going to be a, a pretty good thing, a really good thing if they do, because those stories, um, some of my favorite Marvel stories that they've told on screen. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited and hopefully that they do remain canon and it's not just, you know, somebody you know saying some thing that they'll walk back in a few months. but yeah yeah it's really exciting it's an exciting time i'm kind of excited too i think because i appreciate the the uh, efficiency is not the right word the conservation of all of the hard work that was done already and the enjoyment Mm. that we all had for those different shows and to just bin them would have felt like, yeah, okay, but, uh, you know, like that would have been a little bit disappointing and kind of like, oh, shucks, you're, you're just throwing away something we all really enjoyed. 
where now this embracing of it, it just feels like, yeah, thank you. You know, it's an acknowledgement that there was hard work that went into those. There were interesting stories that were told in those and that, you know, those are those and the production validates on. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. The casting yeah. was spot on. And I yeah. think that's yeah. one of the reasons why yeah. it's there. They're like, okay, because we really do want to keep these actors if yeah. they can. Yeah. I hope you're right. I hope that's the case. I hope they, I hope that they keep uh, Mike Coulter for Luke Cage. Um, he was yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. And for I hope sure. we so, get Iron Fist, I mean, Colleen Wing, Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even go near Iron Fist yeah. by that time. It was like, oh, yeah. Not sure what they were doing. Okay, well, that's cool news. That's that's fun, and it, it as you said, it ties directly in. So I guess let's start talking about our spoiler-free hot takes for Echo. We'll get into a more deeper breakdown after we take a break. But first, let's uh, sort of go round robin. I will say that I enjoyed this season of television. I uh, I felt it was a real easy watch. Uh, I didn't feel like. You know, we had a compressed amount of time between the time we were recording and the time we had to watch it. And I'm watching a bunch of other stuff and we're, we're about to cover True Detective. And so I'm going deep on that. And we've got a couple of other shows we're picking up. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to be really stressed this week or whatever. It actually was just a really easy watch. And I, I didn't have uh, a lot of effort in terms of consuming the content. And, and by the time I got to five, I couldn't, I, I finished four. And then I was like, oh, I got to watch this other episode, but maybe I should just finish five. I was like, yeah, I'm going to finish five because I'm on a roll here. So let's go. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like the energy and the pacing of the show over as a season overall wasn't bad. That said, I really hope that this is the last of this bullshit from the studio about messing with the scripts and the edits and mm. churning it through whatever machine, because I think while I ultimately enjoyed the season, there was a lot of misses and there's a lot of structural problems with it. Um, but I was really entertained and I was really, I really enjoyed the way that they centered the story and you know, with different, um, you know, different characters and different types of storytelling. I, I was really amazed at how well we moved from English to Choctaw to ASL and flowed back and forth between these three different distinct languages i never felt it, it just felt so seamless to me and and it and felt really enjoyable um uh and so all of that is great and i feel like there's a huge potential for this character but then i got really disappointed in how they handled certain aspects of it never so much that i wanted to throw the you know run away from the show mm. um and I guess when we talk about it at, relative to the Netflix uh, series, I kind of put it in that same boat. I feel like I would put it in along with those. I don't. I, I don't have a. Pro- it's not a. It's not an Avengers marquee movie where we're ending no. a major arc or something like that. But if I were going to watch this right along with a Daredevil or or, or something like that, I, I I feel the quality and the storytelling was was right in there. So so it was very satisfying in that regard. Episode four was the absolute highlight for me. I really enjoyed the heck out of that. And I was super excited. I even went on our Discord and I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this is like, this is cooking, right? It's good. But then, you know, yeah, you could feel the, the Marvel studio machine doing its thing. And I just hope that this is the last of that. I don't know. I'm a little worried for Agatha because Agatha has gone through so many changes as, as well. I mean, but I think the changes, it's, 
It's go- always going to be part of, it's always been part of the Marvel formula and it's always going to be part of the Marvel formula, uh-huh. I think. But the question is like, why and how are they making these changes? Like, for example, uh, Daredevil, we know that they just went back and they're like, re- <laughs> rewrite that <laughs> exactly. whole thing. Exactly. But that that means that it went For from apparently Foggy and Karen being dead to uh-huh. apparently Foggy and Karen are going to now be in the series. So for me, yay, yay. for that rewrite. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um, so I guess, I, uh, yeah. And I agree that here there are some, some things were not done for the right reasons. Yeah. There were times where I really felt like, okay, the show is doing what the show wanted to do and say. And then there were other times where like, uh, is this the machine where I can see the scenes here or, you know, the lack of budget or I don't know what's going on. Um, and it, it, again, it didn't take me out. It didn't, it didn't spoil my entertainment of, of watching this, but I could just feel the, the awkwardness of it. And, and that was disappointing at the same time. I can see the potential for this character and the storyline. And I'm really excited for letting the writers and the showrunners and the actors cook, right? Like let these people tell stories and, and get away from the big machine, you know, stuff about it. So I'm really looking forward to the future. My last uh, note is the trailers got me really hyped for a super dark and gritty mm-hmm. story. And in the end, my expectations about that weren't met. I think mm-hmm. they could have gone harder and I would have been, right. <laughs> I, they had a lot of room for me to, to go to, to really, push it into a, a much darker, grittier place. Um, but, you know, it, it, Disney, how do we, how do, how does Disney balance that? Um, but at the end, of, yeah, overall, very entertained, very happy with, with episode four was sort of the best for it, uh, for me overall. And uh, really looking forward to where they go next. Jean, what about you? Oh, wait, can I ask you, David, oh, yes. real quick? Well, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so we, you obviously, you know, you got the the Echo recap in our last What If, yes. our what if episode. We talked about it. But um, as the person coming with the freshest perspective, I'm just wondering how you think this worked as the Marvel Spotlight. So this Marvel Spotlight brand is supposed to be something you're able to right. watch without knowing anything else about the characters in the world. Do you think that, that it was successful in that way for you? I... Um, I guess I'm not a, a, a perfect uh, subject to test that theory on because mm-hmm. I did see Hawkeye, mm-hmm. because I watched Daredevil. Mm. I had, but it's been a long time, and obviously I don't hold these characters in my head in the same way as a non-comic book, you know, reader. Um, so coming into it and doing that whole episode one flashback speed up thing. I up until the point where she was riding her motorbike and sort of stopped to deal with her um, stuff. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. again. We're spoilers free. About halfway through that episode, maybe it was. Um, I felt that it did a good job for laying out the context. I got her backstory. I got these conflicts. We we got. I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, characters that make an appearance in the beginning of it. So I thought it worked and I was fine with it. I was actually entertained by a good chunk of the, the mm-hmm. flashbacky stuff at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it, I think it kind of worked for me. I, I didn't, I, I don't, I don't have any memory of reacting strongly against it. Does that answer right. the question? I guess. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't did go. Re- so? I didn't go out into the street, light my hair on fire, and you know, right. started you know running around screaming at at, at what they did. I, I think it was effective. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it it was great. I don't know that I love the spotlight logo. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems a little Lucas artsy for me, or I don't know <laughs> okay. something mm-hmm. different. But whatever, that's just a font choice, right? That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't yeah. mean anything about the content. So, Jean, what about so? you? I, I I enjoyed the the series. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Um, yeah, I get what the things that you're you're pointing out. Um, the Marvel-y stuff about it, the studio stuff about it. But again, it didn't take me out of the, out of the story as a whole. Yeah. Um, I think they did a great job with Echo, uh, with Maya. Uh, she, the performance was, was spot on for me. I, I, I got everything that they were trying to convey was conveyed to me. Like her story, her personal story, her, her journey was, was felt by me. Um, there, there are things to say about Vincent that I will say, (laughs) (laughs) um, and the things that I will say about him are, are not at all bad. (laughs) Uh The guy, the guy, I mean, the guy is the embodiment of, if someone embodies a character, seriously, (laughs) he embodies the character. Oh yeah. He embodies I'm not even a comic book reader and I'm picking right. up on yeah. that, right? He embodies this character. Um he it, it, so there are there are ways that yes, the show could have been better, but what they did in the show was show you a slice of the MCU that we hardly ever get to see. Huh. A really personalized slice of the MCU, a really personal story, right? That has nothing to do with anything else that's going on in the broader um, sense of the Marvel universe. It's not about incursions. It's not about, you know, Watchers, witches and stones. It's not about any of that. It's just a, a, just a very personal story, which was what the Netflix shows were about. Mm. They were personal stories about these mm-hmm. these heroes. Um, That's a good point. I thought I framed I, it that way before. And I really love that about this because this is Marvel's spotlight, right? Um, and it's a spotlight on these characters. And I think they did a great job of of shining the light on these characters. I don't have um, the reaction that I had watching the first episode. And there's one particular scene, um, I think it's in the fourth episode, there's one particular scene that just made me, you know, scream, like, mm. holy shit, I can't believe this is <laughs> this happened, right? Uh-huh. And I'm just like, if you can get that from me, mm-hmm. if you can get that reaction from me, like, holy shit reactions, then you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. You're doing something right. There are shows that I watch that I enjoy, I never go holy shit. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I, I never. I uh, Fargo episode nine the other week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, but that's a different yeah, show. No, yeah. that, but that's, I, you know, that feeling. Like, when you get excited by something yeah. and you have a yeah. physical and you verbalize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have a, an, you know, you have a moment and you're just like, man. And then you look, you, you know, I, I paused the, the show and I was just like, what the fuck? You know, it's just like, wow. Okay. They, did this thing uh-huh. and this thing I felt really was like, holy shit. And then I went back to the show. Oh, well, excited yeah. to get into you know the spoilers. So I had to take it in. It I had to take it in. <laughs> and then I, and then I paused 
took it in, and then I restarted the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> so if you're doing that for me at any point in a in a in a story, mm. then you're doing something right. Yeah, and nice. I and for me, they did something right. Right on, Alicia. Yeah, um, I I really enjoyed the show, but I, I like. I start to just get worn down by the by the you know whole story going on where people are complaining about Marvel fatigue and stuff. And like I have Marvel fatigue fatigue. Just like shut up and yes, enjoy the show. Yes, 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 yes. Because yes, yes. it just um, it's so that that did like was a damper on me. That and the whole binge model. I'm not a fan of the binge model at all for a lot of reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, and just you know people like commenting on Twitter horrible things about. Uh, well, I won't even get into it. Just yeah. you know people being yeah. horrible in the ways you expect uh, with a, a disabled female character. We, we got you, Alicia. We're we're here. Yeah. We're we're here together. Yeah. To <laughs> yeah. Don't but let it I, don't let it bring yeah. you down. I I know. Yeah. No, but if people. I block all that out, then I found this to be like a good solid show. Like I'd give it an eight yes. out of ten. Right. Um. So I mean, that's not a ten out of ten. And the problems for me come back to not. It's not on the creatives, but if, I agree with you. It's on the execs. Um. Mm-hmm. I think that they really threw the show under the bus when they they did this release schedule. You know, there were budget cuts. There were supposed to be six episodes, and then they told them like told you know five, halfway yeah. through writing, oh, it's going to be five episodes. Um. They, there's definitely some production issues where you could feel yeah. the budget constraints. Feel, yeah. yeah, and they, yeah. Um, yeah, Maya was going to. They were going to set her up for Daredevil at the end, have her back in New York, and they cut that part oh. out. So her future in the MCU remains uncertain, which I'm very unhappy with because it feels like they keep cutting back on the most important stuff to me personally because right. they want to keep, you know. The fanboys who just want Iron Man back or whatever. Right, um, right. Dune did this. Uh, Ahsoka is d- doing this. Um, there was one other show I was thinking about this. You know, uh, or Mandalorian. Um, tell us what the plans are so we can be hype. If I walked out of Dune knowing that Dune 2 was already greenlit, my hype for the first movie would have been would have bigger. Been, yeah. I, yep. But if yeah. I walk in uncertain yep. Yep. or you don't have the news for me as I walk out – you're just dampening my enthusiasm overall and my hype yeah. overall. Well, I mean, I understand a lot of things are up in the air right now as they sure. sort of figure out their new way, but I just hate that I think they're just listening too much to the wrong type of fanboys and give them Agreed. the characters that they Agreed. want. You know, give give us that Hulk movie. I will be there in the front row for that Hulk. Not in the front row. I'll be in the middle of the theater where the <laughs> sound is the best. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah. But I I want to see more of this character in particular. Like I, David, when you and I started talking, however long ago. This was one of the first things that I brought up that I was looking forward to in the <laughs> MCU. Right. Um, so I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy with the results. Um, I felt they did a good job balancing her backstory and, you know, why she is the way she is with the criminal network politics and her family life today. I, I really like that recap episode personally. Uh, yeah. I think there was a lot of great camera work. Uh, mm. Yes. Yes, Fisk in that was, first episode. Yeah. Fisk was so very Fisk in all like the best worst ways, you know, and uh, but I was glad that this was ultimately this was a show about Echo and her family. And uh, I I like that. Yes. I could use a little bit more fighting, uh, but, you know, the choreography that we had was good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Something yeah. you said, Alicia, just really struck me. You said the show is not a 10 out of 10. It's an 8 out of 10. Why is the barometer being set that everything must be a 10 out of 10? No, exactly. I agree. Exactly. That, no. That's, that so, like, is the inherent glad problem. we got this. Yeah. What does that it is have to be a success? Problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That is the inherent problem. Everything comes through the lens as if, if this is not a 10 out of 10, it's It's terrible. a failure. Right. No. Mm-hmm. No. And and it's a very It's like if you give a four-star review on something, then you, you diss yeah. them somehow. Right. Or, you know, right. On a, well, on actually, a I do, or something. I, I, for instance, the movie theater that I go to, after I go, they send me surveys afterwards, like, how was your visit? And if I rate, it was an eight out of 10. They're like, why so low? And <laughs> right. <I'm> like, <laughs> exactly. That's and like eight out of select, 10 is not low. It's I always select, low. yeah, that's an option for the response. <laughs> like, that's not a low score. <laughs> like, it's not a low score. But yeah. we've been connected conditioned by this very small, vocal, racist, misogynist, sexist, mm-hmm. homophobic minority to think that if a show is not a 10 out of 10, according to whatever scale they're using, according to yeah. whatever measurements they're using, whatever criteria they're using, that the show is a failure. Now this, this has become a thing throughout the critique of the MCU and superhero genre in general. Yeah. And that is a problem. The Marvels. That is a the Marvels problem. Marvels is, is a fine movie and it's going to yeah. do very well. Not it's going to make a lot of money. No, it's, it's not, not a 10, not a 10 out of 10. But you'll enjoy the movie if you watch it. It's not a 10 out of 10 if they had put the musical <laughs> stuff back in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so until we address this rather large elephant in the room as, mm-hmm. as a community, then we'll continue to feel the fatigue of the Marvel fatigue that you're expressing, Alicia. Interesting. And that is, that is the problem. Yeah. You know, I don't need, everything is not going to be a 10 out of 10, but that's no, okay. Because you know what? In this, in this last, what, seven months, I've got a zero out of 10 on my list. <laughs> right? I got a zero out of 10. Talk me out of giving that show a zero. <laughs> Can somebody talk me out of giving what it is a zero? What is that? Is that, that that one show? That one show that we don't talk about. We always talk about it. Well, how are we about. supposed to talk about it? If <laughs> we, if we, to talk you out of it. Because no, yeah. you can't talk me out of it. That's the, pro, that's the, that's the point. It's like, I'm giving that, you know, that, that, that is. Clearly, the, yeah. And that one clearly went through the. Studio meat grinder. Yes, oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. It went through the grinder, and it was it was terrible for it. Mm-hmm. But the show was and, and it resu- and terrible, it and it showed. Yeah. So there, there, there is truth that some shows are bad, some shows are good, and some shows are really, really bad, and some shows are just outstanding. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Everything doesn't have to be outstanding. Yeah, everything right. is not going. It's to be not outstanding. a binary. You know, it's yeah. a pass fail thing. Although, right, I mean, if right. it were binary pass fail, the show passes. The know? show passes. Yeah, yeah. Passes. There you go. It passes. But okay, speaking of our own ratings, um, this was the first TVMA property officially in the MCU. Do we think it earned that? What do we think the violence is on the Bukila scale? <laughs> and for those who might not be aware, uh, we've got a couple of different frameworks that we like to use within the Lorehounds community. We have the Shippy test. We have the, um, uh, San- is it Sanderson? I always forget. The Sanderson, Sanderson, yeah. Sanderson. yeah. The Sanderson scale uh, between adaptation versus uh, inspiration. And then we also now have 
the Pukila test, which is named after our dear friend and, and favorite Tolkien scholar, Marilyn R. Pukila. And it rates the violence on a relative scale based on the rings of power being, uh, is it more violent or less violent? And would Marilyn watch it? <laughs> if, she, you know, if, it over, if it goes over the scale, then it's something that she wouldn't watch because the violence is uh, too much and too intense. I think it, it gets a plus one on the Pukila scale for me. Starting at a, at a zero point, I think it's it's just over the line. There was a few early on fight scenes, and there was certainly one gruesome death um, that I think they they gave an extra f uh, they 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 put some extra shots on it to really yeah. push it at mm-hmm. us. Yeah, and that's what they keep advertising in the trailer too. Yeah. yeah, but otherwise, by and large, except for the flashback stuff and that one other scene, I think it was pretty mild. It, like I said, it could have gone harder and darker for me. Yeah, Jean I thought Lugli. it was going to be more I, I, violent. I, yeah. I I knew it wasn't going to be. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I knew I I knew it wasn't going to be like Punisher dark. I mm-hmm. knew it wasn't going to be like. Daredevil Dark because right. it's on Disney Plus. Right? Yeah. If it could, if it would live, if that show would have lived on another platform, that's I on could Hulu have seen too. It. Yeah, but it, I it's mean, not, I watch it, American it, Horror Story on Disney Plus, so it's hard for me to. But like, American say, American Horror yeah. Story is not a Disney Plus thing, though. That's, no, it's not made by them. It's made right. That's what I'm types. saying. I think yeah. that's the difference. So we could watch all the Netflix shows on Disney Plus, but they're not made. Mm. You know, you know. It, I think yeah. there's a difference. Mm-hmm. So, I, I expected some violence. I didn't expect it to be, you know, like I said, Punisher violence. Right. Mm-hmm. So, on, on the peculiar scale, it's I. I'll give it. I, I would say it's over the scale. Yeah. yeah. But it's not over the scale where. It's like, oh my God, this is awesome. Right. The scale. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. If but I started, if scale. we start this scale at a zero, yeah, zero this is yeah. a new, yeah. we're, we're still exploring the, what this scale really means. Yeah. yeah. If we start yeah. at the neutral position of zero, I give it a, that's where I give it a plus one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think the, the violence is predictable in this. It's not like yes. Uh, yes. in the third the episode of the second season of uh, Wheel of Time, something violent happens yes. very suddenly mm. that I would be like, you need to know that's about to happen or you right. will have that <laughs> right. image in your head Shot. for life. Right, 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 right. And this is yeah, and like, I think the, the fight scenes at the beginning, there's some stuff where, you know, if, if you don't like violence. sound mixing that's more. True. The that's sound mixing point. does a lot of the heavy lifting for that, the squishy sound of blood smattering. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And I liked, um, they did the camera work of like, you know, is the question is how well does this fit into the Daredevil uh, Netflix Marvel pantheon? And uh-huh. I agree, it's not as dark and violent, and much shorter, obviously. But you could see, really, especially in the fight scenes, the choreography, the camera work they did there, uh, that it, it shared a pedigree. They there was some of the same couple, coordinators. There, there was one. Oh, I want to talk about it. Uh, but we can't because we got to so take let's, a let's break. Talk about it, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's go. Let's there was just some right, fight choreography. We'll yeah, get, do we have get, a fight choreography? Yeah, well, let's, get gonna, let's do some spoiler stuff. Though. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get All into right. It. Well, let's take our break. And then when we come back, this is your spoiler warning that, you know, we're going to come in and, and talk about spoilers. So we'll be right back. And we are back. 
Okay, spoiler stuff. Here we go. This is it. If, you, if, if, if you're a Patreon person and you had the ads cut out, this is where we're, we're going to get into it. There was one little part in the fight scene with Daredevil where she's in the cage. Mm-hmm. And she does this thing where she pauses and re-aims her kick because he moves. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh. oh, that oh, was so yeah. cool. Yeah, I yeah, really, yeah, really yeah, liked yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, this yeah, is a yeah. fighter who is thinking tactically in the moment. It's not pure choreograph. Mm-hmm. flowing whatever there's like she's like oh oh, oh boom right uh, you moved your head now i'm going to move my foot to to make sure i connect and i was just like i haven't seen that in in a lot of choreographed fight scenes before yeah I, I, it, it really right. made I me think, happy i think it's a callback to the comic character who okay. watches other people <sighs> and and mimic oh. their their whatever they're doing mm-hmm. i like that i like that take so she's able to watch other someone else whether it's their fighting style, even playing the piano, for instance, right? And she's able to just, okay, I see what you're doing, and I can do the same thing. So for me, that's the call. I, I got a call back to the got comic it. character, like watching this person fight, understanding what they're going to do, and then counteracting what they're doing, which was Sweet. really cool. Very it was good. really cool. Yeah. Okay, now that we got that out oh. of the way, because I just super oh, wait, excited. But I have to ask, Jean, now that we're yeah. on the spoiler side of things, yeah. what's the moment in episode four that made you stop and pause and go back? Okay. <laughs> is it episode four? I have to. I, I don't know. To, but what's the moment? Yeah, to, well, the moment I'm talking about is when. Oh, gosh. That made you scream? <laughs> Fisk. Yeah. <laughs> when he opened, when he said, this is, he got that box. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, the hammer. And I, oh. I, I, I was, he was talking you know, about his father. I take mm-hmm. him out and he got the box and I said, holy shit, this month he got the hammer <laughs> in the box? Like, no! Does he have the hammer in the box? He's no way does he have the hammer around. in the box. And I'm just like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Gets out the box, opens the box, and it's the hammer! <laughs> I had to pause. I had to pause. Man. This guy has the hammer in the box. He's deranged. He is He's so out deranged. of his mind. Yeah. He is completely out of his mind. <laughs> I was, I said, no. The guy is walking around with the hammer in the box. The hammer that he killed his father with. Yeah. Like, and he, for him, it's a symbol oh. of his freedom from his father, but it's not. It's actually it's not, the no. thing that's holding him in place. Right. It's your exactly. derangement. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's reinforcing you your dad. Yeah. No matter how horrible that a uh, dad he was, you killed him. Right. Yeah. With a hammer. And you keep that it. For all these years, you apparently have it in a box that you take with you on trips. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Yo! And then he, he thinks she wants a, to have that. Oh, like that's gonna wow. d- help wow. her. Yeah, here, join wow. me in my wow. psychosis. Join yeah. me Take in the my, hammer. my dysfunction. Kill, Take the your, hammer. kill your father. Take the hammer and be Kill your actual father. Yeah. Take great, the hammer and be free. Yeah. Great Star Wars uh, <laughs> comp right there, right? Between, yeah. you know, strike him down and join me, right? Oh, strike right. me right. down exactly. and right. the Empire, you know? Mm-hmm. Take the hammer and be free. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? That's and why I, episode... I love- Four was oh, my favorite. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry, Alicia. Man. No, I was just saying, I love her responses. She's just like, nah, dude, like, I am not as messed up as you. I just realized that. <laughs> like, this is the hammer? <laughs> this is the hammer? I'm like, yeah, that's the hammer. <laughs> that's the hammer. I said, oh, man. Woo. This boy, that boy has some issues. 
Yeah, Man, I'm, I'm so glad Man. to uh, have him back. Mm-hmm. And then All right, do you want to um, yeah. step back really quick, uh, uh, Alicia, and, and cover some of the uh, meat and yeah. potatoes here of, of what we so do? Just, uh, so the series was created by Marion Dare, um, which is her, it, that's her like pen name. Uh, her okay. real name is Heather Williams. But it's interesting that her pen name is rooted. She took that name from her paternal family names. So you can see. This is also a theme that goes throughout the series. Mm. Echoing well. across, yeah, the, echoing generations. across yeah. the generations. Yeah. Uh, she also grew up in a family of funeral directors, so does a lot of thinking about death. So wow. that's also interesting. Okay. Um, cool. But she's previously best known for writing on Better Call Saul. Nice. I love that um, show. Yeah. And the other head writer is Amy Rarden, who's got a lot of TV writing production experience on direction. Uh, it was led by Sydney Freeland. She's Navajo and especially known for telling Native American stories. Um, but the episode three director was Katrina McKenzie, who's an Aboriginal Australian. So she's got lots of TV experience, including apparently being the first Aboriginal woman to direct a U.S. series. But we still, you know, she's from somewhere else, but she's got that same perspective of wanting to tell native stories uh, mm. that are often glossed over. I feel like we're getting uh, a nice breeze blowing in with a lot of stories from different communities. I'm, we're in the middle of watching, well, sorry, not in the middle, but just started watching True Detective Night Country. We've, uh, John and I got access to screeners. There's a lot of stuff that just brings uh, native Alaskan uh, culture mm. uh, forward. I know Alaska. It's, I, I, I'm not sure of all the appropriate tribal names, so uh, I, I don't know whether to just call it Inuit or, or what have you, because there's more than one group there. Um, but you know, to bring those st- stories forward and to bring Callie Reese, who is a, you know, a, a boxer and an actor and an activist in her own right, to Kohore, the episode in What If. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know Killers of the Flower Moon is a Scorsese thing, but it's talking yeah. about something that's very Meh. relevant to this. So I feel yeah. like there's... A pray, there's pray. Pray. Another yeah. shout out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's just great to see that yeah. there is kind of a... a or, and then, of course, we're getting stuff like that. Michelle Yao. We have a, a Yao Yao Renaissance, is what one mm-hmm. of our Discord <laughs> users, Adrian, called it. And she, you know, we've got everything everywhere, and the brother's son, which I'm watching right now. That's it's a lot of fun, and and American born Chinese. So I feel like we're we're making a lot of great inroads into telling stories that are that encompass the the reality of our world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more so, interesting than telling the same Anglo-Saxon stories over and over. And it's Although great we still that these, do that too. <laughs> sure, sure, of course we're not we're not diminishing. Yeah. It's a it's right. an abundance, and it's just great to hear that. I didn't realize that all the 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 primary creative team here are all, you know, coming f- with their own uh, perspectives on this. Agreed. Okay, so just a couple lines to recap the series as a whole. We're set five months after the events of Hawkeye. So uh, Jean expertly recapped those last episode of this podcast. Um, And Maya Lopez is being pursued by Wilson Fisk's organization, leading to her return to her hometown in Oklahoma, where she must come to terms with her past, reconnect with her Native American roots, and embrace her family and community. So I just wanted to, just as an act of positivity, I was wondering what is everyone's favorite moment from the series that doesn't involve a hammer? (laughs) (laughs) David, what do you think? I had uh, two 
one is a bigger uh, arc, arc thing related thing in the way the episode was structured. But for a, an individual moment, I think it was Maya getting that visual implant contact thing mm-hmm. where she could see the uh, ASL being uh, gestured out mm-hmm. as somebody was speaking. And what I liked about that, it, it was rather than saying, oh, we're going to fix you uh, by giving you the ability to hear. No, we're going to, I'm, I'm actually giving you the ability for, for me, for my words to go directly into a, a language structure that you're able to, to take on board right away. And so I thought that that was a really clever and interesting thing. And I thought that, that technologically in the way they made it look, it looked great. It seemed mm-hmm. to work great. And so I really enjoyed the fact that they didn't fix Maya, but instead mm. leaned into who she is and then enabled something where you didn't have to murder a translator <laughs> yeah. you know, who knows a lot of your secrets <laughs> and me. stuff. That was wrong. No. <laughs> I, I also liked that moment, but I liked it because it showed early on, and I was glad that she directly called it out later, but I was like, in the first episode, I was like, I can't believe that Fisk has been like inserting himself as a parental figure in this child's life for the past 15 or so years and he doesn't bother to learn sign language. And then, right. you know, he ends up just cheating with technology instead of bothering to learn it. Whereas you see everyone in, you know, her family in Oklahoma, they all, of course, her mother was also deaf. So they know it for that reason too, but everyone there is making the effort just there. You can see often characters are searching for words because they're not all as fluent in it, but they're all making the effort to talk to her in her own language rather than saying, I, I, you know, I, I'm too busy to learn that. Here's a technology cheat. Right. Which it, is, I, hadn't thought of, I hadn't thought about that as a, a further extension of Fisk's character, but it plays perfectly yeah. into that. That makes sense. That's good logic. Yeah. yeah. And my other favorite thing is uh, everything with biscuits. But <laughs> what about you, John? <laughs> so um, my... My second, well, I had two. Sorry, I had that that visual uh, thing. But then the other thing was just the mirroring of the Fisk conversation and the Chula conversation that Maya has. And she's Mm. talking to these two important figures uh, of part of her life and that are pulling her in these different directions. And I just appreciated the way that the show slowed down and had the conversations and had the emotional play and did the hammer and talked about her mother's death and you know what what her grandmother did and didn't do and and the when Maya says you didn't choose me you chose yourself i was like boom mm, like that was mm-hmm. just such a great line and so the way that they set that episode up with that tension between these two strong figures in in Maya's life, I really liked that construction. And I thought that this is this was the show at its best in storytelling by really putting Maya into that um, conundrum of who am I going to choose and and which way I have this anger and this this pain from both sides. And who am I within this? Uh, it it felt like the human heart in conflict with itself. Which right. if you're a longtime mm-hmm. listener, you know that's my thing. If you're if you're doing that with a story and you're telling that kind of story, you've got my in you've got my attention and you've got me engaged. I I, I really thought that that made the series for me was that that construction of that of those two conversations. 
What about you, Sean? Um, the opening scene with the the creation myth, Shafa, and them climbing out of the as the roof is is falling down on them and climbing out of that tunnel and being on a savanna or grass plains and the clay, the red clay falling off their skin. I thought that was just really, really visually, just really nice to watch. Yeah. Um, and I'm a sucker for mythology stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is it, the Lorehounds podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, you know, getting that, uh, thrown into a superhero story because my superhero story started with mythology for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, it was really cool to see something that we haven't seen before or talked about before, or before you sent that, um, you sent a link about creation myths last about time. About the Mohawk. Yeah. Yeah. About the Mohawk, which I hadn't, hadn't read before. Um, it, that, that was really compelling for me. I, I it, it kind of set the tone for, for me to watch the rest of the series. Yeah. Because it took me in a in a it put me in a in a in the mind frame. Either even though I knew that this series is going to focus on, you know, cult, Native American culture that I haven't focused on before, right? Um, it's it it set it up for me emotionally yeah. to be prepared to to have these conversations in my head as I'm watching the the series play out. Um, what it means to be displaced, what it means to, you know, be connected to your your ancestors in a way that matters, really, mm-hmm. right? And and that really was something that was, was great for me. Yeah. So that opening scene, that opening montage of the creation myth of the Choctaw people, that that's probably my favorite outside of the hammer. That was my mm-hmm. favorite um, scene in, in, in the show. Did you get strong Kahori vibes from that? I thought they were going to like lean into the Kahori story for a second there. I thought there was some testimony. Well, there's a, we're going to, we're going to talk more about the creation myth when we talk about uh, the, the ancestors who gave Echo her powers. Um, okay. but there are certain overlaps, especially, well, so, okay. So just a little general Choctaw background. Sure. Um, the Choctaw were originally Southeastern. So the Mohawk were Northeastern. Uh, so Southeastern, both woodland tribes, you're going to see a lot of similarities. There's also, yeah, a lot of similarities across Native American um, creation myths, like the Choctaw, in their creation story, they were the first, their language is the original, and then there was a sort of Tower of Babel situation that they say created all the other tribes. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so they were originally based around Mississippi. They are what uh, the the Europeans dubbed the five so-called civilized tribes, which are the Cherokees, Chickasaws, Choctaws, Creeks, and Seminoles. And they called them this because they were the ones who, they like aligned themselves with the European. They started to wear more European dress, started to intermarry more with Europeans. But even though, um, despite that, they still moved them when, you know, Andrew Jackson decided that all the tribes should be moved. So this movement it's called the Trail of Tears, and that's usually right. the one people learn most about in school. There were other ones, like from the Potawatomi we're part of, from the uh, Great Lakes region that was called the Trail of Death. This is the actual Trail of Tears. Um, and so a lot of them, most of them, ended up in Oklahoma, which is where they dumped all the tribes uh 
before yeah they because the land was barren so they dumped all the tribes there and then during Visually the great barren. depression this is when the tribes started to find oil but we'll talk about killers of the flower moon a different day <laughs> right. um but this so oklahoma the name of the state is actually a choctaw word it means okla means people and huma means red so yeah, interesting wow. that's where the name of the state comes from um okay it was really cool to see all that. And it is true that because all the tribes are dumped there, like a lot of like powwows tend to look the same. So this looked a lot like a Potawatomi powwow to me, only it looked a little bit sparse, I have to say. Should have been a lot more people there, a lot, a lot more, more going people. on. But this okay. is obviously where the budget was coming yeah, up short. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I just, I have to address this because I keep seeing it coming up. Uh, and this is the whole thing you, you hear about female superheroes and female characters, not so much often about male characters, which is people saying that, um, that Echo is too angry, you know, yeah, kick rocks. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, first of all, she's a quadruple minority. So she's female. She's Native American growing up off the reservation. She's an amputee and she's deaf. And each identity is more isolating than the last. So that would be enough to be angry, I think, as it is. But then she also witnessed the death of both of her parents. And Fisk, of course, is there the whole time whispering in her ear, manipulating this anger, playing on it. So like, I think if you're cool with Bruce Banner being angry, I, I see even more reason why Echo would be angry. And, like, we've got to just let accept that women can be angry, too. A whole um, character just based off of anger. And we yeah. have a problem with, with Echo? Come on. Give me a break. Give me a break. And they told a different, they gave a different ending to this. She didn't take up the hammer. In the moment, right. nor right. at the end, she chose right. a different way, just like they did in the Marvels. Yeah. They, you know, they chose a, a different thing. We don't need to have uh, violence and trauma and, and re-perpetuating that cycle. She did something different. You know, she's, she's gra of course she's angry and she's dealing right. with it, you know? And she has That's every human. reason to be angry. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, she has every reason in the world to be angry. Yeah. You know, the person that she she has looked at as her only family took her family away. Yeah. Like and then how, manipulated how, her and, and gaslit mm -hmm. her. And, and into being something that, you know, she was a tool. Her, her, yeah. her own family will never recognize. Right. How could she not be angry? So she's right. angry at herself and she's angry at at, mm. at Fisk. She's angry at her grandmother for not coming to get her. She's angry at her uncle for leaving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He left her. Yeah, he left Absolutely. her. He just yeah. left her. They just kind of abandoned her. Yeah. How could yeah. she not be angry? No, I, I have. Um, Come on. Yeah. Come on. I, I, so I feel like maybe I'm a little extra defensive of this character because, like, all this stuff about the talking about, like, I also I feel like her sometimes when I, you know, I visit from the East Coast and I go back to the reservation and I end up getting like projected upon me from arguments from arguments from generations mm. before me, you know, mm -hmm. things that happened when mm -hmm. I was a small child or before I was even born end up getting put, you know, that story ends up getting put on me. So I really feel like that alone without all of these extra things, like I just see no reason for her not to be angry, basically. <laughs> right. Come on. Now. As a, um, as a parent, when um, when our daughter was uh, younger, especially a bit more in, in the stroller and things like that, 
that's one of the nightmares that would plague me was God, what if something happened and my child was suddenly left alone in the moment mm-hmm. of of tragedy and 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 uh, uh, disaster, and I, I can't <laughs> I can't imagine what it would be like to be in that vehicle and look over and realize this horror this horror that just happened. Right, and then to have your family lie to you about it because he didn't tell her the truth right. mm-hmm. when she was in the hospital, to to have um, uh, part of your anatomy, you know, for your t- taken off to save your life, but still, that's still a, a big blow, and then to be ripped away from your grandmother and your cousin who are the support that you're going to need as you're moving forward with dealing with these things. Damn, that just yeah. it hit really, really hard. Yeah, and I just felt that the storytelling was so compelling in that whole backstory of of telling us who Maya started out of as right. that right. just yeah gutted me. It really, really touched me as a parent. I was just like, oh my god, this is <laughs> horrible. Yeah, I also think that the storytelling, you know, the showing, putting us in Maya's perspective was really well done with the camera work yes. and with the yes. sound editing as well. Yes. yes. Um, like, I especially love that that moment with the motorcycle where she, you know, puts the band around it and sends it like through the window yes. out of the cab yes. car. And yes. we just, we hear it from her perspective, meaning we don't hear we anything. Don't hear we just, it. we see it happening. Um, and I also love the camera work. There was a lot of great cinematography, great framing of shots, and also how they would frame um, sign language. Like there's one shot where they're, I can't remember who's talking, but they show him signing through the open slots on a bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Um, just really novel ways of, yeah, of showing that, but making sure that people, deaf people who are watching the show, they want to see the sign language. And of course they can read the subtitles, but, you know, show that sign language. It's, it's, such a way of expressing character. It's such an expressive language. Can we segue onto the the sign language part of it really quick? Sure, now I yeah. don't know if you have it later yeah. in that outline mm-hmm. or not. I was really impressed by all of the other actors who obviously did the professional work to figure, you know, to learn what they needed to learn to be able to. I, I don't know what their personal histories are with ASL and signing. I think they all learned for this, basically, mostly. They, it was the professionalism that they did because it didn't feel like Graham Greene's character or, um, Chula's character. Uh, I, I don't know the actor's name that, that they, um, it felt natural. Like they had been doing, it didn't feel forced or awkward. I, as a former cigarette smoker, I can tell when young, <laughs> when there <laughs> are actors faking. who have never smoked before, <laughs> mm-hmm. when they're holding a cigarette, I'm like, ah, or in photography, because that's part of my real life. I can tell when people are holding the camera in ways that, okay, no, you, you, you don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this seems awkward. And the way that the, the naturalness, uh, which they were communicating, uh, was really great. And I don't know what it's called when, you kind of whisper the words that you're speaking as you're talking. I don't know if that has a name or, or what well, it's the- whether or not they vocalize. But yeah, that was one of the things that they were saying was that uh, people who are less good at less proficient in sign language tend to because you're trying to link every gesture with the word, and right. they say the words at the same time. Whereas if you see people who are really fluent in sign language, they're often they not don't. really vocalizing. Yeah, right. 
And and they portrayed that. They didn't cut mm-hmm. that out or edit it out. They actually included that as part of um, the storytelling. And I just was really, I, I used to work in a setting where um, in Seattle, where there's a big uh, ASL program, uh, like one of a, a big center for it. So there was a lot of the deaf community was all around us all the time. And it was, it was really um, profound to see it again, to see this on screen and to, and the way that they uh, used it as part of the narrative fabric of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. They didn't shy away from it. They didn't lean into it. They just, it was, it felt really well balanced and I loved that all of the actors, especially uh, storied actors like Graham Greene, who's been around forever. Right. He just, it was so natural in his expressions and mm-hmm. the way that it, it was really, I just really appreciate what they did with it. You know what else I appreciated was the, uh, I love the theme song, the burning by the yeah, yeah, yeahs. I did not skip it a single time, <laughs> <laughs> even though I binged. <laughs> So, yeah, the, the, we got one of the things that people were looking forward to most was the Daredevil cameo. And the rumors were, it was great. It, the fight was great. But yeah. I initially, and by this point, I knew that it was going to basically be just that fight. But initially, he was supposed to be in it more. There's even rumors that he was going to be looking for Jessica. Um I just really, that's one of the things where I feel shortchanged by them cutting back the, like, I would love to have seen, I want to see them, you know, Echo first appeared in Daredevil, uh, a 1999 issue. That's where the character first came from. I wanted to see more of these two together because it's so interesting to see, you know, she's deaf, he's blind. How do they communicate? But yet they even have a love story in the comics. Like, I just, I, I please let us have more Daredevil and Echo. Like, I don't. Don't listen to the bigots and, you know, just shelve this character because. Right. Was that Charlie right. Cox? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure because it's been yeah, a while same. since it was. Yeah, yeah. Same guy. Yeah. And that struck me too in that moment. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is a, a, a deaf character and a blind character, you know, having a moment on screen together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, don't shelve the character. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I just really want people to watch the show and determine for yourself how mm-hmm. you feel about the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wherever you come down on it, just watch the show and determine for yourself how you feel about the show. Yeah. Um, don't take the, the idea that we are fatigued when things are done well, well. there's no fatigue. And it's literally only five episodes. Like, how yeah. much fatigue do you have? And the thing is, like, yeah. um, I think on our Discord, Sub-Zero, I think he, he mentioned something that I feel as well is that, you know, I wish the episodes were a little bit longer, a little mm-hmm. bit more teased out, right? Yeah. Um, the end felt really compressed. Right, the yeah. The final episode yeah. felt really compressed. Yeah. yeah. Well, they got, if, had and, one cut, yeah. Right. And if, you know... If you're saying that you wish the, the episodes were longer, then, you know, there's two things. One, you want to see more of it. And two, you, you want to see more of it because there was obviously some storytelling that mm-hmm. needed to be completed. Yeah. That needed to be, you know, fleshed out a little bit more that they weren't able to do. Yeah. Yeah. But the casting was perfect. Um, I Yeah. A lack of Cox, like... 
uh, don't recast Echo. No, 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 no. Sorry, just the joke riffing on recast. No, no, no. Hey, 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 hey. You say recast. Time out. Time out. No, 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 no. Nobody, nobody wants to, and they shouldn't. And they shouldn't. But I want, I want them to bring her back. And also, the young Maya was played by a cousin of hers. Oh, she was great. Oh man, and that's why. That's yeah, why. they look a lot okay. alike. But she's not yeah. deaf, so she learned ASL for the role, and wow. she had to like fake having a prosthetic limb and stuff. She uh, was awesome. She was great. She did yeah. a great job. So good. They did a for great not job. having been a professional or somebody who's pursuing acting. They did a. I yeah. don't know what her pursuits are for acting, but well, I know. Yeah, maybe now she wants to, but <laughs> she <laughs> should. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, she should. Yeah, you know, but um, she was awesome. And I just have to point out that both that means both versions of Echo are actually the actresses who play them are from the Menumini tribe, not uh, not okay. Choctaw, but whatever. Okay. Doesn't matter. Um, I, I also just really loved how they incorporated, you know, Echo in the comics does not have a prosthetic leg, but uh, Alakwa Cox does. So they really incorporated it into her character, built it into her fight style and the way she interacts with the world and the story. And I just thought that that made the character so much richer and made her fight style so much more distinctive and cool. And uh, when Scully was rebuilding and doing the, the MacGyver-y kind of like, okay, I'm going to cook up some weird ass prosthetic that uses a, you know, bike, a bicycle, a mountain bike, you know, uh, <laughs> shock thing and stuff. I thought that that was a, they had some fun with it there. Uh, and I, I could feel the, what was coming is, oh, it's going to take me a little while to, you know, to bring it, you know, make you a good, you know, new one. And then that mm-hmm. all played into her uh, identity and her stepping into um, this new persona that she's uh, she's taking on, where she's choosing something for herself as opposed to, you know, having it um, um be choosing one or the other, like going back to being the little girl or going back to being Fisk's uh, ward or what have you. She's yeah. actually stepping forward into something that um, is uh, of her choice. Right. Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting too, that um, the tracksuit mafia of which she was the head is not the group that came after her, which I like to think is because they, respect her too much so it was actually uh the black knife cartel that came after her instead so i just like to think that that's a legacy of showing you know they're not coming after their queen so they showed the tattoo on the neck so that's Mm -hmm. the black knife okay Mm -hmm. um and the guy who's that the main baddie um, was he a tracksuit guy or no, 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 he no. was never a tracksuit guy. Right. No, he was always black knife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And is that like a different operation within Fisk's uh, realm of operations? He's got different. Yes, it is from uh, the, comics. the kingpin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, he's the kingpin. Okay. The guy. He's, he's got know? a bunch of different groups. Yeah. So he's got different, different organizations underneath him. Everywhere yeah. you look. Okay. Yeah. His hands are in everything. Got and it. yeah, and again, Vincent D'Onofrio is just ah, oh, just born for this part. <laughs> um, do not recast <laughs> Kingpin. No, nobody wants to. Um, but I just hit the gaslighting, as you put it earlier, that he did. Like when he's like, "We both had fathers die." Like, dude, you killed <laughs> no, both of them. Yes, you killed yes, both of them. Yes, like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, this guy, man, this guy is just like. 
He's I heard terrible. criticism yeah. that that D'Onofrio play was playing it a little bit uh, mono dimensional or or kind of a what? bit flat. I disagree. I okay. disagree That's totally I, yeah, with I that. Too. Yeah. Get out of here. Whoever yeah. says that, no. But do you think he has like something supernatural going on with his durability and healing? Don't you think like he gets shot in the eye and then it's only that bad and all the stuff that he went through in Hawkeye and he just, he seems, he seems supernaturally durable is the way I'm feeling. I always, we shall see. (laughs) (laughs) I always took it that in the daredevil Netflix shows that there was something a little extra with him. Um, and then in this, I actually turned on, I didn't always understand what was going on with the subtitling. I I felt like that when, when I had the subtitles off, I was getting inconsistent viewing of the subtitles, you know, in certain times when they would, you know, either ASL or, or in Choctaw, sometimes they wouldn't be there. And I don't know if that was just a a tech issue or something. So I just turned on. Yeah, the, I just forced on the, the subtitles. The subtitles, so I, yeah, yeah, um, to make sure I was getting everything, and the audio description for when a couple of times when uh, Kingpin took off his eye patch, uh, you know, or removed the bandages, they uh, they noted gears and wheels clicking and turning or something to that effect, huh. indicating to me that there was something mechanical nanomechanical whatever going on with his eye like he's got some sort of bionics or something so i didn't know if that's something new for the show or if that's something that is they're pulling up from the comics no he's 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 not superpowered in in the comics okay he is um his think of him like a sumo wrestler okay right uh, this huge person who you think is not muscle but actually is all muscle. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically what he is. So he's not okay. super powered, but he is probably stronger than you and I, David, combined. Right. <laughs> he's definitely stronger than I <laughs> Right. Um, <laughs> he's really, he's a, a, a accomplished hand-to-hand fighter, okay. um, as well as being, you know, a really strong human being. So those are... Basically, and he's just evil. He's just a right. terrible person who will right. do whatever it takes to win a fight. So really strong, a very accomplished, you know, hand-to-hand fighter who will do whatever it takes to win a, a fight. That's who yeah. so, is. So it seems like they put something then in his eye yeah. that is going to maybe play into future roles where he's got Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. And then um, for him as well he it's not it's not armor like iron man but it's like you know he his suit is always made up of of some sort of protective armor like um like a bulletproof like kevlar Mm -hmm. right from head to toe so he takes shots but the shots that he takes you you think would put him down but his suit is basically you know bulletproof It's, it's armor so he you know, he's a prepared individual for combat. Yeah, I'm wondering what they're going to, I mean, because they're obviously setting him up to be, they, everyone keeps calling him the Thanos of the street level uh, Marvel verse. Well, and I'm, uh, I'm here for it. I'm glad to see it, you know. Well, the setup that they that they gave us at the end, 
that's um that's mm-hmm. calling right back to the comics and that's yeah a, exactly it's gonna be a great arc if they actually pull that off i, I think yeah. that's gonna be some really good stuff coming out of there you yeah know, um we can talk about it now if you want but <laughs> yeah no i stuff. mean mayor fisk let's, mm-hmm. let's put it out there you know yeah, yeah they totally on the plane right yeah they they made mm-hmm. that they telegraphed that really strongly. Mayor Fisk. And yeah, all that, I'm saying that, is we know we know he's going to be fighting with Daredevil with this probably hopefully with more people from the Defenders first you know uh, at least some Jessica in there, um, but it's got to be with Echo. Come on, you can't just like introduce her and then I'm, I'm so away. scared they're just gonna. Uh, well, she's know. so central to Fisk's uh, uh, psychology. Yeah, exactly. And his motivation and 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 understanding who he is. Right. He's not who yeah. he is without Echo. Yeah. And so to not have her, that would be that would be. I, yeah. Well, I don't know what all the 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 plans are for there. That, but that would be just a fun story world is yeah to do this whole mayor fisk daredevil just you know uh, just re rebuild that that would be really a cool place to be and you can bring in a lot of different characters because as mayor he's able to do things that um can impact the superhero community at large in new york city so not just not just the daredevils and the you know jessica joneses and luke cages of of the superhero um universe but Actually, all the superheroes. So yeah. that would cool. be, yeah, that that would be something that Iron Man only dreamed of when mm-hmm. he <laughs> signed the Sokovia Accords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go. Um, so one thing that I think that this is a factor of, of the show being chopped up and, and shortened is I wasn't always completely clear on the exact relationship between people and why people were mad at, mm. like why people, I was so glad to see Zay, Zay McLaren in back as uh, William Lopez, Maya's dad, um, but I wasn't completely sure why they were mad at him because it seemed like his uncle was also involved in organized crime but maybe not directly with fisk or maybe he was mad about being pulled into fisk's circuit uh his uncle being chaska spencer who played uh henry back black black crow lopez um what did you guys understand from that i I enjoyed uh uh spencer seeing him and, and and what he brought to that role and i i was really confused when she showed up at the skate shop and then they went up onto the uh, water tower, I felt that episode two was the weakest uh, episode in some ways. And I understand we had to move the story forward. It was the one that I was like, Oh, I was getting a little bit nervous because it felt a little bit, I don't know. And then four brought me three and then four started to bring me, you know, get me excited more. The way that I, after finishing the series kind of thought about it all over again, was that Fisk has got a criminal enterprise all over the country and her family, obviously her family has been involved with him for a long time at certain levels. Mm-hmm. And it just, and and maybe he had operations set up there a long time ago that were feeding into his system. And then um, uh, her dad or her family, part of her family, well, him obviously, right. Cause he married into the family was involved or got wrapped up and then his brother got wrapped up. And so their legacy 
is that they are Fisk lieutenants or, you know, underlings uh, in, in some way. So that's the way I kind of refiltered it back into my head. But during the show, I was really confused. I just yeah. went with it. And then it sort of all made sense after right. the, after the I, I just, I felt that um, Chula was, her grandmother was upset, was mad at him because he wasn't what she wanted for her daughter. Yeah. Right. 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 He was, he was a criminal. Which that makes sense. Right. Yeah. He was a criminal. And it doesn't seem like her maternal side of the family was about any of that life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So right. That's what I, I think out. she was mad from the, from the onset, like, how could my daughter marry this guy? Mm-hmm. She right. says as much in the hospital. Which right. She's, how yeah. could, you know, how could she, how could she have a life with this guy who's, mm. you know, not what I want for her. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he, she, she dies and she, he takes her away. Right. And takes, you because know, of that life. Yeah, somebody away. cut the brakes because of his right. criminal right. Because of his criminal yeah. activities. So I got that she was angry from the jump yeah. because she w- did not want her daughter to be with, with him. But and I didn't get why was, his brother was so angry with him, though. That's, you know what? I, I kind of felt like the brother. Why did he leave New York and come back to Oklahoma? Is his brother? What? No, yeah. I think his brother just was in Oklahoma all the time. No, no. because they talked about him no, being in New, in New York. She, Maya oh, says okay. you left yeah, New York he left, alone. He left right. New York. After maybe he just ran. Yeah. Why would after he bring the, her after, with him? Yeah. That's the that's the yeah. that's the point when he said he got scared and he mm-hmm, didn't know what mm-hmm. to do. But, but he's still working for Fisk in Oklahoma. And, right. And or right. is he working for like a proxy of Fisk, like that, uh, the, the, what's it called? The black um, knife cartel. Cause he's right. part of when they, after she blows up the warehouse, when he's talking to right. a couple of the, the yard managers, they're mm-hmm. all like, oh, yeah, we did our paperwork right. Okay. Well, all the other nodes on the network, you know, we, we just got to keep our heads down and not attract attention to ourselves. Now he's in. He's in. He's in, he's in. 100%. and I think, and I think he's he's mad at his brother for one leaving him, right? He, yeah, his brother died, so you <laughs> so you left, right? Me, you know, and and yeah. you left me to deal with all this shit by myself, yeah, because there's nobody else around who I can you know deal with it with, and you put me in you put me into this situation where I'm beholden to this guy, so mm. he's you know obviously dealing with the the grief uh, of sure. you know losing his right. brother and not having these conversations with him right you know and what being I mean? away from his extended community absolutely and just yeah. being you in t- new york you on his away. own wrapped right up you in took me away from 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 the land you took me away from my people you know yeah. my my ties and left me mm-hmm. you didn't leave me voluntarily but you still left me which is what I, I love about this whole storytelling setup is everybody's mad at each other for very real yeah. feelings that we yeah. have. Yeah, yeah very and relatable. When yeah. we hold on to them and bury them or not confront them and deal with them, yeah. then this is what occurs. And so yeah. like, her having those conversations with her uncle and her grandmother the about kids choices get they for made. Their parents that sense. Yeah. yeah. So good. That was that's the kind of yeah. and as you said, Jean, this is the kind of storytelling that this level of the superhero MCU thing is, is that yes, we can get personal and we're right. not talking about cosmic powers and dealing with our right. powers, but we're dealing with very 
very relatable human story. Yeah. Right. I, I do have questions though also about the family structure. So okay. Mm-hmm. So Cody Lightning, sorry, Graham Green as Scully, he was he's Echo's grandfather, right? No. No, he's no. just oh, just no. like someone who he's, had he's something her, with he's Chula's Chula. Right, they were together. But I, so after, so we don't know what happened to to Echo's grandfather then. No, but no. okay, and so Tanto. That's Cardinal as far as that, that's Chula, what I read from. Right, that's what right. I read she from. That's what I gathered yeah. from the story that they're not family. Because in the hospital, he, he even he says something to the effect like. You know, you can't get rid of a family, but he wasn't talking about himself. He wasn't referring to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was telling Chula that. You know what I okay. mean? Like, like he said himself in that moment when she's looking at um, Maya, he set himself apart from the family mm-hmm. in that brief moment. So he's not, he's not um, blood. No. Okay. Okay. And then, but um, Cody Lightning is Biscuits and Devry Jacobs is Bonnie, we, our brother and sister. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to go back to, to Tonto Cardinal really mm-hmm. uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. seen her in anything before. No. And I know, and I'm looking at her filmography right now and she's been in a, a, a few things, but I was really in, taken by her as an actor she mm-hmm. was really bringing a lot to that role that for me was it was unexpected i didn't see her coming i just thought oh mm. here's the one-dimensional grandmother who's there at the the traumatic beginning but when they brought her back around and her being the one who is the you know the con the conduit for echoes becoming uh, and that conversation and the reality that they got into that conversation with her and what what Tonto Cardinal was able to bring to that role was, again, uh, the, the show was hitting in, with certain aspects and characters was hitting on really great uh, notes that I, I just wish we could have had more of. More instead of, of this right, mm, right. Compressed five right. chopped up, you know, which right. we've, we've, beat, we've gone around that circle yeah. too many times. Right. <laughs> Okay, so I was asking Cody Lightning as Biscuits and Devery Jacobs as Bonnie. They were brother sister. Am I getting that correctly? Yes. But yes. The, and they were the grandkids of Chula, but we don't know about their parents. Their, their parents, parents just we haven't met not them mentioned or, or talked about them. No. Okay. <laughs> um, by the way, Devery Jacobs is the person who voiced Kahori uh, in, oh, the, wow. in What If. Oh. <laughs> so I didn't even pick that up. People want her to play a live action Kahori in the MCU that she would be dub- doing double duty, but it would not be the first time an actor has done right. that. So I it's not impossible. It. Why not? Just make her look different enough. <laughs> okay. So this segues nicely into the ancestor powers, which is the twist that they did for this character for the TV show. And I personally, I am pro this change. I like I think one of the reasons, yeah, we don't want another taskmaster because that already exists in the MCU. Um, and another reason is, you know, in the, I've noticed this being a trend in media that's portraying the authentic deaf experiences. They're starting to portray more realistically. It's lip reading is not the way it's been shown on TV that written by non deaf mm. writers, like where people yeah. just think that deaf mm. people can just lip read. It's, even the most skilled people are saying they say they only get like seventy percent. So I oh. think um, this is another reason why they wanted to move away from this unrealistic Mimicking, expectation, yeah, right. 
for deaf people. But I think it's really, yeah, I love the way that they tied it to the generation. So five episodes, each one is one of the names of the ancestors who lends echo their powers, starting with uh, Jean, you brought up the creation myth with uh, Chafa, who was played by Julia Jones. And so the Choctaw creation story is um, indeed the people are made from clay, which is a common theme. You, like we, I mentioned it briefly with the Kahori episodes in um, What If? And it's also part of Potawatomi myth. It's a very common theme across Native American myth. People are made from clay and cast in fire, and uh, that's where humans come from. Um, and yeah, in the creation story, though, it was at first only men who were trying to reach the sky. Uh, so they were trying to build these bigger and bigger mounds, uh, which reminds me also of the Kahori story that we saw right. where they're trying right. to reach that sky portal. Uh, right. And then they crumbled. And that's when that whole Tower of Babel situation uh, came about. And in this version, so Chafa is a character invented for the show, but Chafa is the number one in the Choctaw language. And it is supposed mm. to be the first Choctaw female, but here they have her, you know, that she's saving them from this crumbling, this falling of the Tower of Babel, which was followed by a uh, flood story, which is also really prevalent across Native American myth, especially on the East Coast. Um, and myth at the yeah, yeah, they, I, it's really interesting to trace flood myths across yeah, the entire yeah. world. World, right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's been. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of academic literature on that uh, and looking into this different storytelling. Maybe Marilyn can uh, chime in on some flood-related uh, mythology. Yeah, I, yeah I've, I have um, a very healthy section of um, mythology from uh, on my bookshelves. And nice. uh, it's, yeah, mythology and folklore is one of my greatest passions. And I have a book that dedicates like half the book to the flood myth and the how flood. it's across. Yeah. Oh, cool. How nice. it's across all cultures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so one important piece of Choctaw history, though, is they say that after the flood, they ended up in what's now Mississippi. And this is where there's the mother mound there, or it used to be there. There's only small bits of it left now, or the uh, Naniwaya, uh, as they say in their own language. And this is I mean, this is where they say either people emerged or they um, from the underworld, but also, or in the other version, they brought the bones of their ancestors and buried them in this mound in Mississippi. Um, Interesting. And yeah, we see Chafa and her people drinking from the magical pool. So we see water as a portal again. That's a theme that comes back again and again in Native American myth. And uh, um yeah, and then we get we get yeah, it's a nice tour through Choctaw histories because the next ancestor we get is Loak, played by Morningstar Angeline, and Loak is a Choctaw tribeswoman in 1200 who competed in the Istamboli tribal match. So Istamboli mm. is the Choctaw word for a stickball. Uh, which you probably think looks a lot like lacrosse. Now, the version we call lacrosse is actually based on the Mohawk, Cahorti Stribe. Um, right. <clears throat> it was noticed in uh, in Montreal, and the French there are like the stick, lacrosse. <laughs> but this uh, is okay. <laughs> but this was um, this was something they would do it almost like as to settle disputes, almost like a trial by combat. So in the game right, we see okay. being played in the series. They're playing to see who, which group gets exiled. So right. Yeah, yeah. I noticed yeah. that that the stakes were really high when it's like, wait a minute, you, we're going to get exiled. Wait a minute, this isn't just a friendly, you know, game of uh, of uh, athleticism. This is a uh, real stakes here going on. Yeah, so this yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. 
that's another thing across cultures, you know, selling disputes, not right. in war. Yeah. Right? There are you better see, ways, you people. <laughs> you see a lot of cultures, you know, throughout history that would, instead of fighting, would would settle the disputes amongst themselves in, in this form of, you know, trial, you know, instead of trial by combat, but, you know, just who's going to, to be the, the victor and whatever uh, we decide we're going to, you know, compete in, which yeah, is really, right. which is really cool to, to see, because like you said, there are other ways to settle disputes. And yeah, we don't exactly. often learn about those. And mm-hmm. we don't often learn about them. Right. No, and it's, we're, we're taught war is inevitable, but. Right. The, the alternate, by having alternate, it's, it's more efficient. It's less, because war is taxing on resources, not only on the human yeah. scale, but also yeah. on the material scale and the economic scale, yeah. regardless of whether but you're mechanized or not. But it does boost economies too. Yeah. But and, I think and, more so on the human scales when we talk about, you know, uh, ancient peoples and, mm-hmm. and their ability to, you know, to live you, you you need you need bodies. <laughs> yes, war, wars True. wars take away wars right. take away right. And people mm-hmm. die, and you you don't have enough people left over to to plant to 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 hunt to do all the things right. that you need to do to sustain a community. So right. you yeah. have to have other means of you know settling disputes besides killing one another, right. which is um, which. It, it's not novel, but it is novel storytelling. <laughs> yeah, novel story. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not represented enough on screen, <laughs> right? Yeah, because yeah, right. we just no. go straight to war, combat, fight. Right. Yeah. No. I love. I love to see it. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so we also got uh, speaking of yeah taking laws into your own hands uh Tuklo, the next ancestor played by Danny McCallum was the first female light horseman uh which so the light horsemen were a real group in the comics too but also they were a real group of um militia who the five civilized tribes in Oklahoma they created this group to protect themselves from thieves because the you know the white men weren't going to uh give them their police so they sort of self-regulated with this group um which and that's a nice way to show that echo got sharp shooting skills um right and i got really interested in in this aspect uh because i heard the term light horse and light horse comes from you know cavalry and and along as we were talking Mm -hmm. about war you know and what a a light horse unit is which is is faster less armored lighter armed mobile uh, used for scouting Mm -hmm. or or reconnaissance or uh, uh, uh messaging you know getting you know around probing but also then yeah when it it got into uh um with this unit or which was a big unit and, and actually had a bunch of, of uh, uh, different sub elements to it all the way through to what, you know, with, with national park service and uh, the early Rangers and how they were mounted on horse. So I had no idea that there was a native American light horse police force. Mm. So I read, I went onto the Wikipedia and, and read about that. And, and I, it was really interesting. I was like, Oh, okay, let's, let's go here. Cause I was like, wait, what is this? What is this light yeah. horse police thing? And interestingly enough, on the Wikipedia disambig disambig oh I can't say it now <laughs> uh, the page that tells you there's a whole bunch of different terms based on uh, uh, yeah, you know different pages based on this yeah. the 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 five civilized tribe light horse was not listed on that uh, no it was no. no. Hmm. 
And so I, I actually posted, I said, you know, on one, on the talk thing, I said, Hey, you know, why isn't this listed here? I don't know if anything's resolving yeah. on that. Uh, but if you do search for a light horse, uh, and Choctaw, Choctaw you, yeah. that whole article, yeah, comes up. there's a whole robust right. article about, yeah. uh, about it. So yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah. Same thing with like Bass Reeves and, you know, Black Marshals or, yeah, yeah. you know, Buffalo Soldiers or mm-hmm. the early Park Rangers or, you know, Tuskegee Airmen and, and other African-American units or Native American code talkers. Like there's yeah. a whole world of history that, you know, this show, like, you know, w- when a show like this unearths a little nugget like that, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, cool. Down the rabbit hole you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Finding really delicious and wonderful tidbits. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and then the uh, last ancestor was her own mother, uh, Taloa, played by Katerina Zirvogel, um, who's a healer and also deaf like Maya. And I wish they'd explain this part more. Apparently, it's through her Maya got this ability to like reach into Fisk's memories when we saw her having Fisk relive that patricide moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see also... Yeah, because it's a I get healing memories maybe. Whatever, whatever you need a healer to do, whatever you need to be healed. Yeah, can that's what she does. Whatever. I wonder if Fisk is healed at all though. Oh hell no! (laughs) He's He's disoriented for sure. Yeah, Yeah. he's disoriented. He's not healed. He Mm. he doesn't know what to do. But I think in the moment where we see him, his eyes kind of light up when he's listening to the news talking about they need a, a strong. Uh, uh, what, what, what was the word that they use? They need somebody who's not afraid to to rough it up in mm. in the political sense of it, and he just like leans right. forward and it's like, yeah, oh, that, this that is me. Could be me. <laughs> he is not reformed, and he's not healed. No, he is not. Um, but I, I, yeah, I find it. So they had the whole. They showed an interesting side with Maya, where they show even when she was in her happy place with her mom alive and everything, she still she hit a woodpecker with a stone just to see if she could hit it with the stone. And then it's right. like, oh, <laughs> that was cool. oh, I didn't mean to actually hurt it. <laughs> like, but the the woodpecker is important in Choctaw lore as a messenger or omen. So this is why we see that uh, whenever there's a generations, we see the woodpecker uh. keep showing up and it's called right. the uh, biskinic which is apparently also the title of the newspaper uh, in within the choctaw nation interesting um, i was just trying to find i couldn't find which exact species of woodpecker that is it's definitely not affiliated because affiliated has a much bigger crown um oh they do so actually if you look up backed. if you look up biskinic it'll tell you exactly which it is i'm not uh an ornithologist i don't okay. really know that much about <laughs> birds but i do i did i've seen they, it is a specific type yeah <laughs> okay yeah yeah for sure and they yeah. did on the cgi they did do a, a pretty reasonable job it didn't take me out it was it, it still had a little bit uncanny valley mm-hmm. uh but one thing i did appreciate is at one point i think in the final some of the final shots where the woodpecker is flying up and away, or maybe it was in that uh, flashback. I can't remember. They actually mimicked the flight correctly because the the mm, okay. woodpeckers will flap a little bit and get an arc, and then they'll glide down a little bit and then get an arc again and then down again. And I, I appreciated that the animators yeah. actually studied woodpecker uh, physiology and flight pattern. So yeah. good job, guys. That's, that's yeah, what we're good. here for. They better. That's right. We're <laughs> lorehounds. We dig into this stuff. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Um, 
it was also cool that they showed. So they had this spiral uh, glowing things on the palms. Now, originally, the the rumors were that they were going to have face tattoos, and they decided against that for whatever reason. But the glowing spiral on the palms, if you notice, it goes counterclockwise, which um, powwows tend to when you you saw Maya do that at the end when they start to walk around the yeah. powwow circle this is like a typical thing happens at every powwow and that that walk goes counterclockwise on the Choctaw website they say that the reason for it going counterclockwise is because um, the creator you see so much of what the creator has created goes in a clockwise motion. So the Choctaw say they go counterclockwise to show that they are imperfect and human and humble. Oh, oh. wow. Interesting. What did you guys think about Chula and Bonnie getting the powers at the end? Oh, uh, I wasn't when a they, fan. In the, you weren't a fan? No. Okay. I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan. I'm not a fan of, of sharing powers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Karen Powers kind of person. It's a family. Yeah. It's a family. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing against the characters. I'm just not a yeah. fan of the, the power sharing. Like, not. I'm not sure what to make it in terms of the overall story and where, where the it story. It makes sense, though. Hmm. In the overall go, story. Certainly for the grandmother. You know, yeah. But then I just kind of was like, okay, well, the ancestors are, the ancestors could reach down and pluck anyone they wanted is kind mm-hmm. of the way I, I figured and given that well it seems uh, like it's all women in their no. line okay I don't think yeah. it's anyone okay. I think she I think it's her specific her line and you yeah. think she somehow activated their powers that's her mutant power they, you, you think oh, she can activate the other women ah. in that's, her, yeah. that's her mutant ability yeah she yes. she was able to push yeah. her power out yes. to encompass them. Interesting. That's her mutant inability. Let's go. All right. I'm going. I'm I, running um, with that. I I thought it made sense for the other women in her family to have powers, but and I thought that it for me it made sense that Chula would be able to use them. Like she's clearly a woman yeah. who she knows a bit about this. She was the one who told Echo, like I think this is what's happening to you. Um, but Bonnie, I think Bonnie should not have been able to immediately kick ass. Like she might have gotten the powers, but then be like, oh, what do I do with this? Because she's not yeah taken aback. She's not a brawler. It. But I don't think yeah. the po- I don't think it's her. It's the power. Like she, Working she's not. You. It's not. She's yeah. not the per. Right. Whatever she's doing, she's it's doing it unconsciously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the power of that person that is working through her. So it's like a puppet on a on a on a puppeteer string. Hmm. Okay. So she's not it's not that she has to get used to it. It's that she's being manipulated into doing these things. So that that's how I read it. I didn't read it yeah. like, oh, but she seemed to enjoy I mean? the manipulation. She's oh, like, absolutely. Oh, look at that. <laughs> kicking ass. <laughs> kick ass, definitely. I'm not mad at it. She kicked yeah. ass. Well, I think that's where the the story suffered a little bit here. You could really feel the compression of that final fight scene yeah. right. in yeah. the shortened final episode where we didn't get yeah. a fuller examination or or they didn't precede, they didn't give us some uh, clues, breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs along the way to sort of prepare us for, for when that happened. It just sort of happened. Right. And, and right. we're like, huh? Okay. You know. Yeah. So- but can we please get Echo's family and um, can we get Ms. Marvel's family to hang out? <laughs> like the banter. <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, that would be some fun. Cool. The stories they would tell each other. Yeah. All right. So that's 
pretty much what we got for the outline for the show. Thank you, Alicia, again, for structuring and organizing us Thank and you. all that information. Uh, yeah, I'm really hopeful for the the season overall for a new for future seasons. So let's take yes. a, a quick break, More and echo, then when please. we get <laughs> when we get back, let's talk a little bit about what's up next for Marvel, and then we've got a couple of emails, so we've got a little bit of feedback. So stay tuned. Cool. And we are back. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what's up next for Marvel. And then we've got two emails, one from Jordan and one from Marilyn. Uh, you've got a big list of stuff here, Alicia. What do we need to know about Marvel's scheduling? It's not the schedule of previous years. We definitely are feeling the... Yeah, the strike and the and the reorientation at at Disney for production and expectations for production. Yeah, so we have some dates when things are supposed to come out, but like, let's see. You know, <laughs> <laughs> as always. So Daredevil is currently in. You know, they're starting back over refilming phase so that's probably we might see fisk again next there and that's now expected in 2025 and hopefully get to find out there what he means by the other surviving heads of families but also uh spider-man 4 which i'm assuming is going to come out after that um we know that daredevil's going to appear in that maybe mayor fisk will appear in that too um, it seems like they might be bringing in some other characters like Ant-Man. So that might be a big crossover film. Uh, hopefully Echo is going to show up in one of these stories. I would love to see at one point in the comic, she takes on the Phoenix Force. So I would love to see that story, just a new take on the Phoenix Force. It's not, you know, the same Jean Grey story over and over. Um and then, yeah, this year, though, we have uh, we have Deadpool 3 coming out supposedly July 26th. Uh, Agatha, Darkhold Diaries, or whatever we're calling it now, Agatha <laughs> All Along, <laughs> in fall of 2024. Um, maybe there's this Witch's Road special presentation. I don't know if that's being folded in or if they're still having that be like a separate thing. You know, the, the show tracker that we have is our Patreon benefit where we sort of map out all the shows in a given yeah. year. I just have it as Agatha question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, they're just gonna, it so many times and then I don't want to be wrong. Or, it's going to be have just Agatha. When <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fine. That would be fine. Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, and then, yeah, also in 2024, some animated stuff is supposed to come out like X-Men 97. Uh, You're in a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, which is the new... Uh, the new animated series was originally going to be called Spider-Man Freshman and Sophomore Year. And the freshly announced Eyes of Wakanda series. And then the rest is like basically Sony's pooling the rest of the wait for this year. We've got yep. Madam Web in February, Craven the Hunter in August, Venom 3 in November. And eventually, probably next year, the Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. Um, Jean, what's your hype level for the Sony stuff? Um, I really want to see Madam Web. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to see Craven. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see Venom. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you know, Spider Verse goes without. Uh, yeah, without yeah, saying. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't gotta even say anything about that. Yeah, but I, 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 I want, I want to see Madam Web. I want to see how they, how they 
to this character because she's a super important character in the Spider-Man universe. Um, what they do with her, how it's changed or how it, it remains the same. Um, the the villain, I don't know if they're doing the inheritor. It, there's a lot of questions that I have um, that, you know, if we get to talk about it, then, you know, it, 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 it'll all make sense. But there are a lot of really good Spider-Man stories that spin out of spider uh, that could spin out of a Madam Web movie. So mm-hmm. let's see what they do with it. Yeah. And I think, do you guys want to, are we going to cover that for sure? Like do a, a I'm going to watch it. I would, I'm definitely yeah. Gonna. I'm going to be watching um, it. Yeah. I would definitely watch be, it. I would love okay. to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do, let's maybe do a single pod on that yeah. where we, yeah, we could yeah. do a, a little a pre-cap, yeah. take a break and then do a spoiler, yeah, then, yeah, uh, definitely. A spoiler review that sounds like in one episode. Okay. okay. Sounds yeah. good. I don't know. You're going to still have to work on me on Craven. We'll, we'll have to <laughs> trailers or something. I mean, I, 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 I want to see it because like, you know, I'm in for a penny and for a pound. I'm going to watch sure. all yeah, of these, but for me, basically. that one's the, I'm more excited about Venom three than cause Venom two wasn't a great movie, but it was fun. The Venom movies are fun. They um, are. I haven't seen they any are. Yeah. Venom. They are. They're, they're fun. And I'm waiting. They keep teasing the Venom Spider-Man crossover, and I'm waiting for that. I, mm. I, I think that's why I'm, I'm kind of like out on Venom mm-hmm. because, you know, it, the character, the symbiote character is, is so much part of Spider-Man lore mm-hmm. and history that not to have that be really incorporated into a proper Spider-Man movie is what's keeping me from being super excited about the Venom movie. Yeah. Like, I understand what they're doing, but because Venom is its own, char- it's its own yeah. character right now in the yeah. Marvel yeah. comic books. They're, you know, the Spider-Man crossovers are just that. They're crossovers. It has you know, but starting off in a cinematic universe, I would have much rather have been a Spider-Man centric story than a Venom story, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you, do you want to see Venom Fisk? No. No? No. Why not? <laughs> no. I, I, just I'm, no. Uh, yeah, just no. 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 I'm kidding. Yeah, too funny. Yeah. Um, What's okay, our future in, looking like? Yeah. So then uh, in 2025, we have currently slated uh, Captain America is supposed to come out in February, Fantastic Four in May, Thunderbolts in July, uh, Blade in November. We'll see if any of this happens. And then the only they other ones. better bring Blade. <laughs> the stop only other ones around. given dates are the two <laughs> Avengers movies, The Kang Dynasty or whatever it's going to be called now. Whatever in it is now. Right. And yeah. Secret Wars in 27. And then we have all these other ones on the docket where it just could be dropped any by time. surprise anytime we never know we've got um right. we've got obviously another spider-man trilogy coming we've got shang chi 2 we've got armor wars iron heart i'm actually really excited for iron heart especially because there's going to be some of the mephisto uh you know allegedly side of things allegedly I won't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could, it could be we now wish, and then changed tomorrow. We, we're keeping fingers crossed here. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, Wonder Man, um, Marvel Zombies we keep talking about, and Vision Quest I'm also really excited for because I'm hoping that that will be a West Coast Avengers foundational moments along with I Wonder mean, Man. Yeah. Yeah, with Wonder Man, definitely. Yeah. 
So lots of things coming. We don't know when okay. or in what form. So so this year we're going to take a little a breather and yeah, well, we can yeah, make catch why, up to our- That's why Iger our, said, right? Yeah. yeah. Less is yeah. more. We can, yeah, it really, please. Yeah. <laughs> Give us, I would rather have quality than quantity for, for right. sure. Right. For yeah. sure. And we have then, and we have Sony, and we have uh, you know. I'm I'm really looking forward to the Spider Art. We've got to do a Spider Verse recap, so mm-hmm. hope we'll have some time to be able to catch up with with that and actually break down the film in, in greater detail. Because uh, I know we all really enjoyed it, and there was just so much visually going on on screen that it was hard yeah. to yeah. yeah from seeing it in a theater versus yeah. being able to to pause, pause a frame yeah. and look at stuff. Yeah, and they keep changing also, like so they. They keep morphing the and putting new Easter eggs and replacing shots in different versions so that they're really? slightly oh. different. Yeah. Oh, you can find comparison cool. videos online. It's crazy. Very good. Yeah. The YouTubers must be going crazy mm-hmm. for that. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's jump into a couple of quick feedback emails. First up is Jordan M. And just to say, you could, for the MCU shows, because of the way that we work it, Anytime that we get any feedback or voicemails, uh, we will always roll them forward into the next podcast. So don't ever hesitate to send us in some feedback or if you've got questions, comments, what have you. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't hear from Abby or Dork and the Ninjas on uh, on Echo. So I was hoping to hear from from them, but I, I know they had thoughts. I, yeah. I know Abby had feelings. Well, <laughs> so. I mean, Abby's not as into, into this character as uh, okay. she's in Loki. Yeah, because she's a Hiddlestoner. <laughs> Got it. All right. So Jordan wrote in and uh, says, how do y'all love your content as always and wishing everyone the happiest of New Year's. If you permit me a small soapbox moment, something in your last coverage struck a small chord. Jordan, here's your soapbox. Absolutely. And I want to encourage everyone to, you know, feel free to write in when stuff like this comes up. Don't Don't hold back on it. He says, David, huge fan, but I feel you came very close to whitewashing indigenous people's history with just a quote unquote quick Google search reforced indigenous migrations. I consider you one of the most well-researched podcasters around. Gosh, that makes me blush because I don't know that I'm that (laughs) well-researched. And I mean, this is a very amenable caution that when the stakes are so dire, i.e. the history of forced relocation and cultural genocide, maybe pause and do a bit more of a Google search. Sorry, I didn't mean that to sound sassy. Jean also jumped in and didn't make matters much better. (laughs) And there was an odd pseudo defense of the Spanish too. All the commentary just blended together wrongly. And I was very grateful that Alicia was there. Good job, Alicia. Again, I mean this truly as a candid and well-intentioned advice only, but felt the need to share considering arguably the best impact of an episode like Ahori is creating said discussions. Cheers to you all. Thanks so much for the amazing content. You truly do great work. Clearly very hard work and it's much appreciated. Un gros merci. Happy New Year all, Jordan. So first I want to say thank you, Jordan, for just taking the time uh, to to write in. in. I wrote Jordan an email as well, just to uh, share a couple of my thoughts. And I remember when we were podcasting about this, one of the things that I was trying to get... um, get my hands around a little bit or to, to touch on a little bit was the complexity of history and the nuance of, of things when we have uh, historical representations and in storytelling, it's not all always the best vehicle to explain nuance. And so I wanted to, to kind of 
put an asterisk on that. And then I kind of kept getting out a little bit thinner and thinner. And I was like, I was feeling myself panicking <laughs> a little bit and going, oh, okay, I'm saying weird things here and this isn't going very well. So let me try to, to, to rope it back. So I, my point was that history is full of circumstance and nuance and complexities and, and different historical drivers. And I didn't want to, I didn't have, I, I don't have the information around uh, the Spanish and what they were doing and what early uh, Native American tribes were doing and how those things interrelated. And so I was a little bit um, thin on the information when trying to express the uh, that that there is complexity in history, and we don't always have the information. I yeah, I would actually speaking from the Native American perspective, I would you know I I said that we're seeing this from Kahori's perspective, and uh, yes, yeah, you did. We don't need the nuance, and I stand by that. But I would love to see because you know we talked about we talked about why that change was made. You know they because of this. Uh, appearance of this special lake. This is why the Spanish would show up. But I would like to see more nuanced storytelling because when I learn about Native history, it's way more complex than we see. It's yeah. not just the Natives against the colonists. It's uh, right. different, different. Um, you know, because the tribes are fi fighting each other yes. as always, and right. they're making alliances with different uh, groups of colonists. So, you know, like Cahori's right. tribe would have been aligned with the Dutch, but would see the French and would see the tribe that I was raised part of to be enemies. Um, right. And I would love to see some more of that complexity represented on screen. And, and conflict but maybe not between, in a 20 minute episode or 30 minutes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and complexity between human groups, no matter where and in what time of history, there's mm -hmm. always a lot more going on there in terms of how humanity has treated itself and how we identify tribally or nationally, uh, uh, regardless of physical, you know, differences in, in how we appear there, there is no, yeah, there, there's a lot of complexity in, in human conflict. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think one thing that, one thing I really appreciate about the episode that maybe didn't come across. And that was about that first part about them, the fact that uh, the Mohawk were originally Eastern seaboard and not really, yeah. and they were moved to the Great Lakes is that the episode when I was reading the background about it, one thing they found really important is that they wanted to make it pre-colonial. So these are the, uh, this is, we first encounter the Mohawk in their most indigenous state as they were before things Contract. were changed but it is also it's tough like i have this same thing with potawatomi history is that um history was oral before the europeans right. came right. and so so much of the history is influenced by europeans being the first ones to write mm, it down that's right and that point. does yeah. add another layer of complication where you know you're you've got anthropological evidence yeah. but then you can also see, like I see in the Potawatomi language, that there you can tell that there are French influences on the language that obviously weren't there before that, but we don't know what the language is like before that. Right, right, right. John, any thoughts? Um, yeah, just I think I chose not to talk about those things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. my yeah. my my gripe with the with the episode was strictly because they use Spanish um, mm -hmm. persons when. They shouldn't have, because mm -hmm. it was not true to the contact with Europe for that tribe. Right. Um, right. But I chose not to speak about those those things that are obvious, because 
I don't think the show was talking about that at this right. point. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I didn't feel that I had to. How can I? How can I say it? The history that that we that we talk about when we're talking about Native American culture, when we're talking about African culture in the diaspora, um, mm-hmm. in this part of the world, right? It's fraught and really, really yes. Mm-hmm. It's complex, yeah, and complex. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Um, yeah, I don't think this episode of of what if was for me the place to bring that out of Mm -hmm. to talk about those those things because the episode itself was talking about not european right um influences on native american culture right this show to me was very much centered around native american culture right Mm -hmm. right this particular tribe's culture Right. Separate from and and this inciting incident, uh, this, right? This, uh, thing and how they pushes. reacted to it, right? Not how they reacted to, you know, invasion. Not how they reacted yeah. to being relocated to different parts of of the country of the hemisphere. Not right. how they were enslaved. Not how they were made to be othered. Not how right. they were made to be non-human. Right. Right. We can talk the about genocide and the war mm-hmm. and the, we the can, taking away of the children and wiping the, the existence of their culture. Right. I, and I don't shy away from talking about yeah. those things. No, that's come my great grandfather's story. Right. Exactly what you just you said. Know, yeah. Don't shy away from those things. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think this story was telling that story. Right. I think this story right. was telling. This is how this group of Native Americans, this tribe faced. Right. first contact. Right. Mm. Which is and a different first contact because Which of the a, lake. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, I, I, I didn't feel it. This was the place to have that discussion for this right. episode. Right. That's, that's mm. all I'll say. Yeah. Cool. But it's well, a good Jordan, point you... to make mm. because we should have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We should have those conversations and we should be telling those stories. And Why we should be you? having... We should have these reactions to wanting to hear those stories. So the email, yeah. the comment is on point because we want, I want people to say, hey, why aren't <laughs> yeah. you talking about yeah. these things, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, to give, give each other the, the space and the grace, sometimes if we're inartful or if we're unaware of sure. something and we stray into an area. And that's what I really appreciate about Jordan's email is that he... Uh, they said to me, you know, hey, you know, you this was a little funky. Just wanted to flag that for you, and it's like, yeah, that's that's true. I was fe- and I was feeling personally like, uh, I'm starting to talk about stuff that I don't know that I should be talking about because I don't have the information to have a informed opinion, and uh, that got a little, I got a little muddled up in there, and so uh, I appreciate the grace then to say, okay, hey, you know, let's let's have a little bit more of a discussion, yeah, and, and, a little bit more understanding. You know, we check ourselves all the time, yeah, right? Amongst ourselves, to. right? We, yeah. You yeah. Know, David and I have had conversations where we, we you know, off off the pod and mm-hmm. in, in real life that we, we check ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, and that's part of the beauty of doing this pod is that we get other people to actually listen to what we're saying and they hear something 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, I got I got to do a quick G check on these guys real quick. <laughs> That's, you know, right. Just That's right. Make sure that, you know, they understand what they're, what, what's coming across. Yeah. Right. So for when we do talk about, you know, the things that Jordan is bringing up, we talk about them in their proper context with the right. gravity that it needs to be discussed in. Yeah. And to take the time to articulate in an email uh, what can be very easily lost in nuance and conversation. Yeah. And I, I appreciated yeah. the way Jordan made sure that their email was flagging something, but not challenging or being rude or 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 in a no, way never that, that was non nuanced. No. There was a there was a really nice use of language to communicate something to somebody that we haven't met in person. To look, at, yeah, to look at each other in the eye. Yeah. yeah. So, and we should be able to talk what, about these things. Exactly. And that's what we have always wanted within the Lorehounds community is to have a, a robust and vibrant discourse. Yeah. And to be able to. Even to when we might things. disagree. Yeah. When we, yeah especially. <laughs> especially when we disagree. Yeah. yeah. So, so, un so gros you, merci à toi aussi, Jordan. Yeah, merci, merci, <laughs> All right. Next up is. À la prochaine fois. Yeah. Marilyn says, nice episode all on the what ifs before listening. I really didn't have much interest at all, but now I might actually go take in a couple of the episodes. So welcome, you folks. That's what we try to do with this podcast, right? Is to deconstruct. Yeah. Another thing that we're trying to do is make it so you have context and tools uh, so that you can dip in and out as, as you want. Uh, Marilyn continues, I have two bits of lore for you regarding Hell's color. Is it Hella? Is that what she uh, No, he- Well, Hell is the, like, we spell it with two L's in English, uh-huh. but in Norse mythology, it's spelled with one L. Oh, okay. Interesting. And that's where okay. Hella was banished in the MCU and in, and in uh, actual Norse myth. There you go. Regarding Hell's color, in the original mythology, she is the daughter of Loki and was half white and half black. Interesting that they're switching it from all one to the other. Hmm. Any thoughts or observations on this? This is uh, outside of my... Yeah, well, because in the show, knowledge. she started with, uh, you know, she's dressed in all black in the MCU. Uh-huh. And then at the end of that episode, she was uh. like the light bringer in all white. Yes. Yeah. Nice. And, okay. and Hell is her actual North name. Yeah. Hella Hella. is her name and hell is the place. Yeah. No, no, no. no, but, no yeah. She's hell. Oh, okay. She, yeah. She encompasses what hell is. Right. So mm-hmm. she's actually okay. hell. So yeah. Nice. Good. Okay. Uh, she continues. And a fun fact, I heard you say something about King James and having an aversion to the alternate humans. Yeah. That's that from episode. the source material in the Neil Gaiman comics in the yeah. 1602. All right, yeah. and calling them witches. Historically, yeah. James the sixth and I had an absolute phobia about <laughs> witches <laughs> and was supposedly responsible for making the committee to translate the word poisoner in the King James Bible they were working on to witch, resulting in the infamous mm. passage, wow. thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. This, along with the dreadful text from 1485, the Malus Maleficiarum, or the Hammer of the Witches, was responsible for an awful lot of the persecution of witches, most of whom were innocent men and women in the 17th century Europe. That book outsold even the Bible at that time. Wow. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, and this goes interesting, uh, an interesting another callover to which you were talking about, Alicia, when we take oral history from another community and then run it through a written language, be it French, English, whatever. When we take ancient history and then say, oh, hey, this is the word of God. By the way, we did a big edit on this. Yeah. And we had a big old committee and we, you know, this yeah. is our divinely inspired reinterpretation of it. It's going to shift, right? And we're going to get word translations like this. And and uh, and that's going to echo down history, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, so it went from poisoner to witch. And then suddenly, ooh, that's a whole, there's a whole thing there, which we're kind of talking about in our Earthsea coverage. So Marilyn, John, and I have been uh, talking about the Earthsea books by Ursula K. Le Guin. And one of the things that that her later books get into is women's magic versus men's magic and sorcery versus, you know, village healing magic and what and where and why fors. And there's a whole bunch of interesting information there in, in, in uh, how that kind of quote unquote magic or knowledge or traditional, you know, this relegated into this world of, uh, of, um, of healing and, and herbalism why it just becomes a woman's things and why we just naturally assume that it's mm. women when again, history is a little bit more complex and nuanced uh, in that regard. So yeah, if you're interested in either of those topics, check out our RC coverage and obviously we continue to talk about these other interesting things. So um, Marilyn finishes up having now heard the background of echo. I can see why it's so violent. Maybe I'll just listen to your pod instead. Well, <laughs> here's the pod, Marilyn. Thanks for writing in any, any thoughts or additions to uh, any of all of that? No, no I think um, Marilyn, you should try reading the 1602 series from Neil Gaiman. I, um, I think that you would find it. That one is really hewing close to history, uh, but with, you know, with the characters that we know playing, but playing a role within these historical things. And I think that you would like it. Well, they just, John and Marilyn just did um, the Hogfather, Mm -hmm. uh, which is out of the the Discworld series. And so Mm -hmm. that podcast is out. I'll flag another podcast that's slightly holiday related to Anthony over on his Electric Bookaloo podcast, which is where he does all the Game of Thrones stuff. And he does a lot of medieval history as well and being a theologian. Uh, and, and that's what he part does in his profession. He put out a, a podcast uh, right around Christmas time talking about the um, mythology around the creation around Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting and insightful. I had no idea that the mythology that I have about how Christmas was formulated mm-hmm. was not on mark. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. on, oh. my mythology. My knowledge on that is off. <laughs> so uh, go back and check out Anthony's uh, little, it's a short podcast. It's about five, six minutes, I think at most. And he talks about, he sort of deconstructs where Christmas came from. So. Fun stuff. So uh, lots of good content in the Lorehounds world. So let's wrap up today's podcast. There's one more thing I I, want to say before we we get off. I just want to say that, you know, bringing these stories to to screen has always been something that I've wanted to see, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Nice, yeah. And I'm appreciative that Alicia's here for that. Because I said earlier, I hadn't really read a lot of creation myths from Native American um, folklore, mm-hmm. right? 
religion and ancestry and, and things of that nature because of the very fact that I don't know yeah. when I was in in school, whether it was grade school, high school, college, and in my adult life, what's truly Native American mm-hmm. and where the European interpretation right. starts. Right. Right. And it's difficult to sort through that information, even when you come from yes. inside the tribe. Yeah. So I'm really appreciative that Alicia's here um, to give some insight on, on those things because it, it becomes difficult to really say as someone who is not versed who in that world, whatever world that you may be from, um, to comment on those sorts of things. Hmm. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I just really, this is a really cool community that we have and at the Lorehounds. Um, and at the beginning of 2024, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's involved because yeah. even on the discord, um, folks are, are teaching me things yeah. almost nice. every day. And I'm really grateful for that. So, um, yeah, hats off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thanks, Joan, for those words. Appreciate it. Appreciate that we uh, have a space to have these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's uh, shift gears and and wrap it up. Uh, A quick note about the Patreon. If you're in and listening to us, you know, you can listen on the public feeds and we we have ad supports for those, uh, but we do have a patron and Patreon. And if you're interested in supporting this community, you know, the, the funds that we generate out of that go into paying for our costs. We make sure that all of the co-hosts um, also have a stake and participate in that. So we make sure that uh, things are, are shared um, so we really appreciate everyone who do, who does make the choice to subscribe and support us. And I also just want to open the door too. is like, if you want to subscribe for a little while and then you got to bounce for a little while and it, whether you come back or not, it's all good. Like, don't ever mm-hmm. feel, I know sometimes if I am subscribed from a Patreon, I'm a little worried like, Oh, what do they think to, you know, no, I, we understand people's financials and circumstances right. are, are different. So if you want to bounce in and bounce out, no problem. If it works easier for you to get an annual membership, there's a discount on that. That's cool. You can always convert your your membership at any time. So, you know, just feel at ease because we've gotten a couple of messages from folks saying, oh, thank you. I've been meaning to or I'm sorry I haven't. Never feel sorry that you haven't. I mean, just by listening is, is a big enough support. But if you do make that decision, we really do appreciate it. And it means a lot. I just want to flag a couple of things we're coming up on. Uh, True Detective. And one of the things that I'm doing for True Detective as a Patreon benefit is uh, I'm doing a sort of an online journal. If you saw season one, you know, Rust Cole had this big journal that he walked around with, you know, documenting all of this stuff. I'm kind of making a, a, a faux version of that online based off of our show tracker. So I'm going to be putting screenshots and clues and some character guides. Uh, mm. So for anyone who has a uh, a, a subscriber and, and you're going to dig into that show a little bit more, uh, check that out as an exclusive benefit that goes along with our show tracker, which is that big, you know, thing I was talking about before where we're tracking shows across platforms and across the year. We've got a couple of different ways you can see that as a list or as sort of a Gantt chart calendar thing that, that plays out. So 
um, I have a lot of fun keeping that stuff up to date. So um, that is all there as, as bonus benefits. Uh, we've mentioned the Discord several times. Discord's open to everyone. There are a couple of uh, Patreon-only channels. So if you're a subscriber, there's a couple of places where we uh, have for, for folks to especially talk about our second breakfast um, podcast for that as a uh, um, one of our benefits. But we've got channels set up for all the different shows and projects that we are covering. It's a great place to meet and converse, like Jean was saying, uh, people having really interesting and, and substantive conversations about these stories and, and about life. And uh, I just want to say, too, we just sort of fired up a, a mod team. We call them the Dunedane. And uh, Adrian, Aaron Kay, and Brian8063, with some help from Josh the Black, have all jumped up. So thank you guys for uh, helping out. Our community is only as good as our mod team. And so I'm just really grateful to have their support because the, the uh, Discord's gotten a little bit big enough now that John and I can keep our, our hands uh, uh, and our eyes open for everything there. But those folks are there. So if you have any questions about how things work, if you're not a Discord user, there's a ton of people, not only the, the, the mod team, but everyone, you know, like, hey, how do I do this? People are going to jump in and, and make sure that you're supported and, um, and understand. Because I know Discord can be a little bit, especially if you're new to it, can be a little bit confusing at times. So let's talk about a little bit uh, programming schedules. Uh, Alicia, how are things with Woolshift Dust and the Silo Book Club? What you got cooking? Yeah, uh, back back to editing audio now. So uh, yeah, wrapping up uh, Beacon Twenty Three and and you know forging forward with the Silo series. Uh, next up is Dune, which is and then it's going to be followed by uh, the Three Body Problem, which I think Jean was also mm. interested in taking yes, part I in. Am. Yes, I am. I'm rereading the book. Yeah. Okay. Great. Me too. Me yeah. too. Actually. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm about to reread the book. My rereading list is like longer than my reading. <laughs> so list. Mine. Mine, is very, <laughs> mine is very long. Yeah. Very, very um, But I also I wanted to shout out. Uh, this is not Lorehounds related, but I am part of the committee doing the Academy of Death Racers Film Festival right now, which is a <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if you were going to talk about that. yeah. It's so, an on. Yeah, so Death Racers are what people call themselves who watch every Oscar-nominated movie. Uh, But then you can also get crazier than that, like, you know, where you're watching just basically all of the nominated movies within a year, which I find an incredible experience because, for instance, it's the only time of year I really catch up on documentaries and I learn so Mm -hmm. much and all these international films I would have never have come to my attention otherwise. Um, Very cool. But so, so that's, the, what does that include, like Emmys and DGA and like all Well, so it depends shows, how crazy or? you get. Like okay, it's right. standard Death Racers, <laughs> just Oscar nominees, but okay. <laughs> uh, which Oscar nominee nominations are coming out next week, but we've already got the shortlists. And so the the film festival that's going on right now through the 21st, uh, which okay. is the day nominations come out, um, there are it's short films, it's online, so it's available from anywhere in the world. And there are 10 uh, Oscar shortlisted shorts in there, so okay. including some of the harder to find ones. But uh, I know one of them is leaving on the 16th, so jump on that if if you're interested. It's aodr.net slash festival. Just costs six dollars to uh, get a ticket, and you get access to about 70 short films from around the world. Awesome, very cool. Uh, more content that <laughs> we have to put on our our watch, read, uh, consume <laughs> list. Hilarious. All right. Uh, Properly Howard movie review. They're on a little break. Anthony uh, has got a bunch of stuff going on and 
I know that he'll be back, but they're just on a little pause, both on the Bukaloo and Proper the Howard movie review. That said, they have uh, Stephen Anthony released a whole recap of season one of Severance in anticipation of season two coming soon. We don't know. We're waiting. Uh, there was some activity on the Apple TV Instagram that was teasing it. So we thought, oh, maybe February. It came out in February last year. So we're fingers crossed that it's going to come up soon. But we set up a whole new feed just for Severance so that the four of us, Anthony, Steve, John, and I can do week to week podcast coverage of season two the moment it hits the streets. So go subscribe to that feed. Uh, if you're doing a season one rewatch, uh, or if you just want to listen to some more podcast content with Steve and Anthony having a good time, go check that out. For us on the Lorehounds on our main feed, we are running True Detective episode by episode. We have access to screeners. So we are watching a little bit of Head. We're never jumping ahead on the podcasts. So we'll only ever podcast about what we've seen, but we're able to record those about a week in advance. So we're still taking feedback, true detective at thelorehounds.com. And we have a way, we figured out a way that we can just tack on the audio for feedback at the, uh, at the end. We can record a quick feedback and then tack them on before they get published. So check us out there. Uh, we have our What If um, Season 2 and obviously this podcast John and I are going to do a Fargo season five wrap up once the final episode has aired. I don't know if either of you are watching Fargo season five, but it's on my watch list to watch the whole show, but yeah, we'll see when I get to it. Oh man, it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. This is like the fargo Fargo of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is the Fargoist Fargo that ever Fargoed, I think. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Holly is swinging for the fences. Uh, John and Brandon are scheduled to do a Final Fantasy VII uh, remake podcast for Lorehounds Play. That'll probably be out in February. For the Star Wars Film Festival, we are up to Rogue One. We're going to have a live watch. I believe that's on the 20th next Saturday uh, on the Discord, and that's a Patreon-only uh, member benefit. And then we'll release a podcast about that uh, about a week later. Earthsea, we're going to push that into February. We're reading uh, Dragonfly, a short story called Dragonfly, and then the next book, which is called The Other Win, and that that short story and that book tie in together with the continuing story. So Marilyn, uh, John, and I will be doing that. Uh, in, we're going to record and release that in February. Silmarillion story, the next up chapter in the Silmarillion is Of Min. That should be a really interesting podcast. Looking forward to that. And then uh, that'll be in February. And then in January, we still have Second Breakfast, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast where John and I talk about life and we get a lot of feedback from our community. And we have our movie of the month this year. It looks like on the poll, the Patreons voted for Logan's Run. Good film. An amazing science fiction film from 1976 uh, starring Michael York. Uh, A really very cool science fiction movie. Uh, Check it out if you get a chance. But we'll be talking about that. What we're tracking, we've got a lot coming out this year that has not yet been given any actual dates. We've got Severance, House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, The Boys, The Alkalite, which is a Star Wars show. All of those will be day one coverage when we uh, when we get dates. We're keeping our eye on Masters of the Air. I think we're going to do maybe a two-pod uh, coverage of that because I've watched already the first two episodes. It's not really a week-to-week kind of show that we can do, but I think we can do a... 
episode one and two, and then maybe at the end we'll sort of wrap it up. Avatar. We're tracking Shogun. The Not trailers look really good. It looks really interesting. We'll see. Mr. and Mrs. Smith looks amazing. That looks like a lot of fun. Hopefully, Last we'll probably Airbender. do maybe a, uh, Last Airbender. Yeah, we got that. Constellation. We've got a bunch of stuff. So, so if you're a Patreon member, go check out the show tracker. Uh, otherwise, keep a listen for the programming notes, and we'll keep you up to date on what we've got going on. Whew, that is a lot. <laughs> okay, last uh, big shout out to our Patreon lore masters. These are our top tier uh, supporters. Samartian, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter O H, Patina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Duve seventy one, Brian eighty sixty three, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwong Yu, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, Aaron T, Sub Zero, Aaron K. Uh, Daily V21, and last but never least, Adrian, <laughs> who is also one of our mods, and so is Aaron K. Thank you all so much. Thank With you. Brian eighty sixty three, all of we all of our mod team, our new Discord mod team, are all mm-hmm. lore masters. So uh. my goodness, we're gonna have to send you some merch when we get around to getting some merch someday. Anyway, whew, I feel like I've been going on here for a little bit, so let's wrap <laughs> this up. <laughs> John, Alicia, great Thank to you see guys. you guys as yeah. always. I'm not, what's yeah, next for our, our our next Marvel podcast? I guess uh, Madam Web. Yeah, it looks like Madam, Madam Web. Web next okay. month. And we still haven't heard from you guys what you got g- g- cooking, but uh, hopefully that'll be... We keep teasing it, but yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work to do a podcast. It, 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 it takes something to lift, a, lift a podcast off the ground. So anyway, thank you again both so very much. I appreciate it. We'll see you on the next pod. Thank you. Ciao. The Lorehounds Podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. 